Jam-packed to the rafters. Let's go up to our ring announcer. The following podcast is scheduled for one episode and is our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Outside, we couldn't see it from our vantage point. And happy new year. Welcome to our vantage point, the retro wrestling podcast. Thanks for being with us here for episode 253. It is Monday, January the 3rd, 2022. And we are still here to romp you through the world of retro wrestling. As always, I'm Joe Murata, joined by baby new year, Michael Quinn. How you doing there, Michael? Howdy diddy. We're in the future. We are in the future. 2022. Flying cars are just around the corner, I think, right? Tomorrow, really, I heard. Tomorrow, yeah. Yeah, They heard it was 2022, so they're going to hook them all up. And thank you guys for hooking up with OVP this week and this brand new year. We're going to romp you through the world of retro wrestling like we always do. But before we get to any of that, we want to remind you of a couple of quick things. You can follow us on Twitter at OVP Podcast, and you might want to do that for daily wrestling gifts. It's a fun time. There's no drama. Just follow at OVP Podcast on Twitter. You can also email us if you want to at OVPPodcast at gmail.com. That is VPPodcast at gmail.com. But Quinn, the best place if people still want to talk to you and me and over a thousand other retro wrestling fanatics is where? Over at Facebook.com slash Flying Cars. It's a futuristic website. Absolutely. Only talking about technology. Elon Musk uh, hangs out there with us. Yeah, he's he's on the board. He's like, I like wrestling. Yeah, like, he, he loves Rick Martell. He loves Rick Martell. Of course fan. he does. Yeah, <laughs> He loves Rick Martell. So you can discuss Rick Martell with him over there. Yeah. And if you want to find it, there's a search bar, which also maybe Elon Musk invented. We're not sure. We don't know. You type in the search bar, our vantage point, dash retro wrestling podcast, bing, bang, boom, tubes, gore, kaflui, uh, hit the join group, and you're in. And all you're agreeing to, folks, when you hit that join group button is one rule, just one rule, and it's don't be what? A dunderhead. Don't be a dunderhead. And all we mean by that, folks, is bring your opinions, bring your questions, comments, anything about retro wrestling, the 80s, the 90s, even the 2000s. Talk about it. Discuss. Debate. Don't be a jerk. Don't do it. Don't do it. And what we mean by that is, you know, it's just opinions on wrestling. Uh huh. You don't need to get all insulty about it. It's not really necessary. It's not a nice thing to do. That's no, all we're trying to say. Not, not at all. So just keep it nice. That's all. You don't have to agree, but keep it respectful. Yeah, that's so, what we say. We say that. Yeah. We respectfully disagree. Yes, exactly. So if you can do that and you want to do that, go to our Facebook group, join it and have fun there. And also, if you like OVP and you want more content, we have a lot of it available. It's at patreon.com slash OVP podcast. Over there, you're going to get two separate shows. You have the weekly 1984 canon and the monthly WWF pay-per-views. And coming out the end of this week, this weekend, on that pay-per-view review tier is going to be SummerSlam 94. There's going to be two Undertakers or something. I don't know. I don't know. They're investigating it. Yeah, Leslie Nielsen's on that case, man. So if you want to be a part of that, you want to support us, you want the extra stuff, it's patreon.com slash OVP podcast. All right, Michael. We've been doing a brand new segment, as we always do. Yes, we have. Every season. And this is one where we have been taking your suggestions now. We're talking about when a wrestler left one promotion and joined another one. So far, we've talked about Bret Hart when he went from WWF to the WCW. And we talked about Randy Savage when he left WWF to WCW. And if you want to suggest something, just go to our group and put it on there. This is a segment we call The Jump. Should I stay or should I go? Might as well jump! Jump! 
to The Jump, where we discuss when a wrestler left one promotion, joined another one, the effects on the wrestler's career and the two promotions involved. This one, Quinn, mm-hmm. was suggested by at least four people. If I missed more... It's a, a lot. Yeah, it is for like one yeah. guy. Yeah. If I missed anybody, I'm sorry. Uh, but so far, we have Don Depinay Depinant. Always. Don't tell always us. suggesting things. <laughs> he does. Patrick Klimper. Oh, hi. Greg Armstrong. Probably oh, from Davenport, Iowa. Is that a hi, Greg? That's a different hi, Greg. It's a hello, Greg. Yeah, hello, Greg. And Dave Parada. Again, no relation to me because my last name's Murata. The Parada of Murata. It's not the same last yeah. name. But anyway, thank you guys and anyone else that might have mentioned this gentleman. We are talking about Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho has come to save the WWF. Christopher Jericho. And specifically when Christopher Jericho jumped from WCW to the WWF in 1999. And this was um, wanted for quite some time. Yeah. Because Chris Jericho, honestly, on WCW, I still I still argue this. That was like the best he ever was, period. Like, I really, really like Chris Jericho on WCW in I th- general. I think a lot of people that like Chris Jericho probably still think he's the best he ever was. So it just depends on your perspective. But yeah, yeah I loved WCW Chris Jericho. So how did we get to the point where he jumped, right? So... He jumped to the WWF. He debuted in August of 99. But before that, he had been in WCW. Right. And he had come in as a face, the Lionheart. With the big happy music. Yep. He's Lionheart. And like, you could probably play right now that like first version of the theme. Because I think it it, when he makes the the turn, his music changing is actually like very fitting. It is. You're (laughs) right about that. It's all happy, that music. It is. Now, he turns heel in 1997, the later part of 1997, starts becoming a, a child and throwing tantrums and things right. like that. Right, so that was the initial gimmick, right? Yes. The, the, that he's this man-child. Basically. That he, he basically, if he doesn't get his way, he cries. What's going on here? He's having a tantrum. He's flipped. The guy's gone nuts. Honestly, because Chris Jericho was so talented, he ran with it, right? Yes, and he ran with it to... An amazing 1998 for him. And the reason I say that is because when you think about WCW in 1998, right? Mm-hmm. You had all your big players on top. You had Hulk Hogan and the NWO. You had the Wolf Pack. Yeah, Wolf. Right, Wolf. You had Sting. You had Bret Hart sometimes doing things that mattered. Right. You had a lot of top tier guys. But then you had the Chris Jericho cannon, and then which is like a separate cannon. Right. He, Chris Not Jer- to mention Goldberg, by the yeah. way. Yeah, but the funny part to me always about Chris Jericho was he was very... His character was very ignorant that other people existed outside his the people that he didn't like. Yes. Right? Like, that, that's the best way I could put it, right? And during that period of time, it was mainly cruiserweights. He was the cruiserweight champion. You know, Gene, I'm the greatest cruiserweight champion of all time. And he had a fantastic feud with Dean Malenko that we've talked about a lot of times on the right. show. But really a great feud. And what Jericho was able to do, and this is why it was such a big deal when he did jump, it's throughout 1998. He made a star of himself, you know, relative to where he was. He he, he separated himself from from all the goings on of WCW. And anytime he was on the screen, it was focused on him. And he was good at it. Yeah, and he was very good at it. And yeah. And what I always loved is in that short time that his character was developing and changing, and like you didn't know what Jericho was going to do from one moment to the next. Like. He starts as a crybaby, and then he moves to this, like, very conceited, like, Monday Night Jericho, and, like, I am yep. the best thing to ever happen, yep. and, and then fuck Dean Malenko. And-, and Gene, the bottom line is this. 
There's no one else for me to face. I've done all I can do. So after tonight's performance, I'm going to take this belt. I'm going to retire it because nobody can ever, ever beat me. That develops into, you know, he gets screwed. He, he, in his mind, he gets screwed out as the cruiserweight title. So then he goes after the TV title. The TV, yep. And the funny part is then he gets like a bodyguard named Ralphus, who's yes. a big fat slob. And he starts, his hair's all fucked up all the time and shit. And like, he starts pretending he's better than Goldberg. You know, as well as I know, that Goldberg is here. You saw me knocking on his private dressing room door. He never answered. You saw me waiting in the parking lot. He never showed up. That whole feud where he's basically calling out Goldberg, and that's why he gets Ralphus, like he, his security guys. Yeah, because the the joke was Goldberg always comes out with seventy two security yeah. men because he's such a tough guy, right? right? And like Jericho's like, well, I'm a tough guy too. And then there's a big fat <laughs> slob. Yep. And Jericho looks like a fucking doofus every week. Yep. And he was just so talented. He was really able to rise above a lot of what else was going on outside of the main event scene in WCW, which sometimes was hard for people to do. I, I feel like not very many people were doing what he Correct. was doing. That's why he was such a standout. Yep. Everyone's like, there was everyone else, and then there was Chris Jericho, and he was like this weird side character that was like very much appreciated by the WCW fan base. And I'll tell you this, Quinn, it's not because the machine was behind him. It's because Chris Jericho was that damn talented. Exactly. It's not because they were putting their all into him. It's also partially due because WCW just kind of didn't give a shit what was going on on the side. So Chris Jericho said, well, they don't care. I can just do whatever the hell I want. So he did. And he made it good. If he gets his 10 minutes per night, he's going to make the most of every single minute. Right. And he did. Yeah. So by the end of 1998, the main push for for Jericho, if you want to call it that, is starting to wind down. He loses the TV title to Conan in November, and then he begins a feud in early 99 with Saturn. Right. And this culminated in some weird match where if Saturn or whoever lost had to wear a dress. Yes. And it was Saturn that lost, actually. Correct. If you recall that. Jericho's happy. Happy. He's rubbing his nose in is what he's doing. Sure, he don't have to put the dress on. Jericho starts to not be as prominent on television after the spring of 99. And as far as I understand in real life, he wanted out of there, mainly because he just saw himself at a ceiling. Right, because he can't be better than the main... There's too many guys! They won't let him break into the main event (laughs) scene. But, like, here's the thing. It's like, what was frustrating is he was over enough... And that he, he could have. And he had defined himself as a separate person. Kind of like, a lot like how DDP did it. Yeah. Like, DDP, like kind of rose above that right correct but because he was smaller they weren't gonna like put him against hogan and stuff like that no way you know what i mean yeah he was so young too it was like 28 maybe 27 he he was so young and he was like it did he did feel out of place with those old timers who were at the top too because it was like well he can run circles around them he's so young and vibrant and he can do cool moves and shit that's the other thing we really didn't even mention but not only was he fantastic on the mic but he was also a terrific in-ring worker yeah so he had all the tools right meanwhile the wwf in the spring and summer of 1999 we're we're well into the height of the attitude era in terms of tv ratings What's going on there is a lot of mic work, a lot of character work, not really wrestling. We all know that, right? They were not known about the wrestling in 99. Yeah, bro. It was all promos and funnies and ha-has, right? Mm -hmm. And Chris Jericho was already good at that. Yeah, so he was super compatible with the other roster. Right. So the rumor started circulating in the spring of 1999 that Jericho might be signing with the WWF. And as far as I understand, he did do that at the end of June and actually finished out his WCW contract in July on house shows. He was like pretty much off TV after the spring. Yeah. And I think that his last appearances he was doing 
commentary for WCW.com at the Great American <laughs> Bash 99 or something. You know, you know, you know what's weird. funny about that, though? The way I remember it as a kid, I don't remember him being gone very long. Yeah, it wasn't some, that long. For some reason, right? Shortly before August of 1999, in the WWF, this countdown clock keeps coming up randomly. Yeah. I'm going to say this. This countdown clock came, right? And all my friends were saying, it's Chris Jericho. And I'd be like, how do you know that? Like, right, right. But as a kid, I was very confused how everyone was so aware because I didn't have access to the sheets and everything. Right. So I didn't know that Jericho was off TV and blah, blah, blah. Sure. I just thought, whatever, it could be anybody, right? And I was always thinking, well, that'd be really cool if it was Chris Jericho, but what if it's somebody else? That was always right. a, like what was going on in my head. There's always the possibility that it's not him. Yeah. Right? And I remember when this started, when the rumor started and the countdown clock. Everyone was starting to like salivate at the idea of The Rock and Chris Jericho going at it on right. the mic. Which also, again, as a kid, I didn't know where that came from either. Right. I was also like, what about uh, Stone Cold and like all this right. other... Like, I, I was really like... I, I don't know. Maybe I was a weird contrarian at the time as a kid. Or maybe it was just a phase in my life. But I remember thinking it was like there was a lot of preordained things that people were saying about <laughs> yeah. this Jericho debut that were going to happen. And I was like, what, but why, where is that come? I don't understand. There was a lot of anticipation. Yeah. That, well, if this is Chris Jericho, this is going to be a big deal, right? right? He had a lot of anticipation. Mm -hmm. So we get to the August 9th, 1999 raw. And what some people might forget, sometimes this is retconned out of the whole story here is that WWF.com announced prior to this, that they had signed Chris Jericho. Gotcha. And they might have done that because they knew if they mentioned that, then there'd be even more anticipation that it right. would be him. You know, and the countdown would be him. Right. So I think they did that on purpose. It wasn't like a mistake. Now, you know? and it, didn't it say, did the countdown say Y2K? It didn't say Y2J or something. Didn't it at say the new, just the millennium? Maybe the, the, just the millennium, millennium is coming or yes. something. Maybe that's what it said. It said something to that effect. Correct. And then it transformed after he debuted. Correct. Right. Yep. So we're in Chicago, August 9th, 1999, Raw, and The Rock is in the middle of the ring cutting a very standard, like, rock promo on, I think it was The Big Show or something, or just one of his usuals. Yeah, one of his usuals making fun. Just making fun of people, Triple right? Triple H, maybe, who knows? It could have been. Yeah. Big Show, The Rock says, seeing as that jabroni you call a partner, The Undertaker is booked tonight for a match that pretty much leaves you free. And then the clock pops up, and it actually counts all the way down this time, right? Well, I remember a big long pause where like a ball was going through a tube and yep. all that, and I'm like, "What is it? What is it?" And I feel like it went on for like a like a minute. Like it was like so well done. Like and everyone's like, "Oh shit, what's happening?" And all the lights are out and everything. And then Jericho appears on the screen. And then, <sighs> the pop for like that. it was like crazy. Everyone was so happy. And then he appears on the stage and he cuts his first promo and he goes at it with The Rock and The Rock gets the better of him because that's right. the idea. And, uh, to me, that was actually such 
a lot of people were mad about that at the time. And I remember thinking that is classic Chris Jericho that yeah. he, like that he would come out here, make a big fucking deal. And then the rock makes a big damn fool. of yeah. him, Right. I mean, that's like just the character. Yeah. They're not trying to bury Jericho. No, that's no, no. The- it's just how Chris Jericho was. Yeah, right. He, he, he looked like a doofus all the time. He looked like a doofus. And what you guys might uh, forget. And some people probably remember this easily is that Jericho came in as a heel. It just didn't last long. Right. He was only a heel for a few months. And then the China feud turned him face because people liked him better. And we're not recapping his whole WWF career. He obviously was there for the first time from 99 until 2005. He had a long-ass run. World champion, undisputed champion, the whole Triple H thing in 2000. Very much made a bigger name for himself than he would have ever been able to do in WCW. Right. But the one thing we have to talk about with this jump is that initially, I feel like the first year was like hampered because of the said China feud. That really stunk. Yeah, like so he's I'm sorry, but it did. He's immediately like put into this co intercontinental champion thing Horrible. with China and it's awful. It's why he turned face. Yeah. They didn't mean for that to happen, but like <laughs> everyone just started cheering him instead. On paper, it seems it seems very Jericho ish and, and <laughs> funny, right? It's yeah. like, oh, a lady is like just as good at him as right. good as him, and now he looks like a big dumbass, right? right? Like that's very Jericho, right? Right. But it just kind of like it didn't flow or something, right? It, he stalled for a little bit, and it didn't. It also one thing is that most China angles where she was like friends with somebody or working with somebody, she usually like fell in love with them, like Mark Henry or something, or Eddie or Eddie or something, right? So like, but with Jericho, he's such a wise Alec that they can't like. <laughs> I just mean to say is like there's no there's no like. Oh, this isn't going to turn into like a love thing, right? right. Like, I don't it think didn't. anyone suspected that or anything. No, and it never did. So, just why are they? Why are they together? Like, this is stupid. And then, like, honestly, I feel like the turn that made this jump not suck ass was the that raw where Triple H lost to Chris Jericho yes. and the world title, Another and then he one. was like, "That never happened." Jericho! And then from that point forward, I feel like, first of all, Jericho was now considered like world title contender. I, as a fan, was like, he was fucking robbed. And not only that, fuck Triple H. Mm-hmm. And like, again, it's always like a great heel work yeah, by Triple H. Yeah. And I was like, this is bullshit. Yep. He beat him, right? It like, worked. Yeah. They got us. Yeah. They and, got and, us. and from that point forward, I was begging for Chris Jericho to be the world champion, like all of 2000. Yep. And he did become the world champion eventually. He was a heel when he did it. Yeah. The rest of his first run is really good. He has a lot of good matches. Very, very well-respected wrestler during that period of time. He comes back a million times. We know that, right? The Shawn Michaels feud in 2008, Mm -hmm. you know, when he had come back previously. He's there again for a few years. There's Jarrah's show. He feuds with CM Punk in like 2011 or 12 or whatever. I think the point is he's like a WWF stalwart, basically. By that point, yeah. yeah. And it all started because of this jump. So we'll talk about the implications here. For Chris Jericho, it's clearly, undeniably, undisputedly the right move. Yeah. He's One a million percent. I mean, he would eventually become like a revered figure. Yeah. You know what I mean? After he's like up there. I never say he's in the Rushmore or anything of WF superstars. Nothing like that. But some people do, and that's okay. I mean, yeah, I, I that's see okay. It. But like, I guess the funny part is I always wanted him to when I was first into him. I thought he was a... I, He's one of the rare people that I identified when he was young as good. I was always on his side for like getting, because I was like, that guy's really good. Right. You know what I mean? Like I was always rooting for him, but I feel like ultimately he was hampered by 
the the Monday Night Wars ending and you know his kind of the kind of work that he did was not it was different but it wasn't like it didn't stand out anymore because his whole thing was that he was kind of like an asshole and he could be on the mic and that style was changing sure it wasn't as much like that anymore yeah but I mean he gets a lot of credit from a lot of people for uh you know uh, reinventing himself quote unquote. And obviously what he did with AEW, uh, he had a lot of work in Japan the last several years. Yeah. So, I mean, this all really, the catalyst was when he jumped to WWF and they allowed him, after some stumbles and some weird choices, they allowed him, though, to really be a big star. And they treated him like one after a while. Yeah. For WWF, I think it was a good move. It added depth to their roster. Yeah. Chris Jericho, what, one thing I could say about his entire WWF run he was very good at being adaptable, which yep. is something that they showed in WCW too. Yep. But that he could go from world title contender and champion, but then he can move to intercontinental champion and just he can move up and down. He was like very dynamic in that way. He could be the best guy in the company or he could be a middling guy. He could be a tag champ. Yep. He could be in a comedy angle. He yep. could be in a serious angle. And yeah, he, was, he did it all. Yeah, he was literally like, he was like their most malleable like superstar over the years that they could just... That's why they liked having him around. Yeah, I agree with he you. He could go away for a couple months, come back, make a big deal of his comeback, and do something completely off the wall, like the one where he didn't talk. Yeah, I remember like, that one. You know, like yep. he, but he was just capable of like literally anything. The list angle. Yeah. He would get dumb little things over. You right. know? The whole Kevin Owens angle. He had a lot of things that were his ideas or that he at least contributed to. And he wouldn't have had this type of opportunity in WCW. Yeah. You know, he wouldn't have been able to rise above much more than he already had. And I always thought the other one other thing that WWF liked about him was that he was one of those guys they could send to like a PR thing and he was very, very good at it. He was very good at like you could be on the talk shows or whatever and he could put over anything and he had his own band and he was in he was always yeah. he always seemed like he was Fuzzy. Yeah, I just mean to say is he always seemed like he was doing something, right? Yep. Like even if he wasn't doing something big in wrestling, yep. he just he was like he's a very interesting figure. Yeah. Right? I, I agree. You, you know, and I think that's really ultimately like what this jump like kind of pushed him to be. Yeah. And yeah. I think whatever you think of him personally or whatever like that, he is one of the all-time wrestling talents. He's never been my favorite wrestler, but that doesn't matter. Yeah. He's very talented. He's a great worker. He's a great personality, great talker, creative guy. And WWF really gave him a lot of chances to show that, yeah. that he wouldn't have had. So for WWF, great move. For Chris Jericho, great move. I don't think it cost WCW anything to lose him, though, because they weren't ever going to do anything. Yeah. You know I what mean, I mean? I do think if WCW wanted... They might have been kicking themselves because they saw what WWF did with them. Possibly. And we're like, oh, we could have had that. Because they immediately put him in a thing with The Rock to start, you know? Right. If we put him with somebody else in WCW who could talk, maybe that would have been interesting. Like, I mean, it's almost like you kind of look at the situation if you're WCW after he leaves and you're right. like, Duh, oh, we should have done that. <laughs> right. right? I like, bet you Vince Russo, when he took over, would have liked to have Jericho. Exactly. You know? It's like, that's what we should have done with right. them, right? Like right. that that's what that seems like, but also it doesn't seem like WCW was like a big tragedy in their no. whole company. No, that didn't kill WCW. I mean, hell, know? they could have the same thing that Jericho did with The Rock, and I know that this is old and whatever, but like they could have just done that with Ric Flair, two people who could, who could talk. Sure. Right? It's like they it could have worked very, a good feud. Right. Very easily, mm -hmm. right? You know? Absolutely. You know? 
Uh, but yeah, overall, great win on Jericho's part there for jumping over. Great choice by WWF. They did do a lot with him. And uh, WCW, yeah, I don't think it cost them much. But folks, let us know what you think of Chris Jericho when he jumped over from WCW to WWF. Are there any other implications we're missing? Any other details? Let us know that on Twitter at OVP Podcast. Shoot us an email or join the group. But Quinn, when we come back, it is week number two for the Royal Rankings, the best Royal Rumble matches of all time. We're counting them down. Two more come out of the tank. We're going to see where they rank. It's the Royal Rankings coming up right after this. First of all, Gene Mean, I just want to point out a little bit of Jericho trivia. 28 years ago today, I was born right here in Long Island. And I just want to say, I sure I'm glad I left. This place sucks. Oh, that, that, that might be a little strong. You know, another thing, there might be somebody in this building here tonight that may surprise you, Mr. Jericho. Well, first of all, if you're talking about Greenberg, let me give you a little bit of background. Once again, everybody here knows, although a lot of people don't want to admit it, that the score is Jericho 4, Greenberg 0. That's Goldberg, for the record. And now, back to our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Thanks for being with us here. Happy New Year, episode 253, Monday, January 3rd, 2022. Quinn, we mentioned at the top of the show, we do have a Patreon. We do. We do this not to try to get rich or rip anyone off or anything like that. We just want to give you guys a chance to support us if you want to. And in return, you get a lot of extra content. Again, patreon.com slash OVP podcast. I'm going to run it down real quick for you. Let's do it. On the $2 tier is the 1984 canon. That is where we are going through every episode of WWF Championship Wrestling. We started all the way back in January of 82. And right now we're in June of 1984. And it's really getting interesting and really getting different here. We got Cindy Lauper coming in. We're getting geared up for the uh, big Wendy Richter match and all that stuff. A lot of stuff going on, okay? And you can watch it with us or listen along in audio form only. It's $2 a month. That's all it is. And then if you want to upgrade to the highest tier, it's only $5 a month. And that's going to get you the 1984 Canon. It's also going to get you the monthly WWF pay-per-view reviews. These are full-length shows, Quinn, right? Three, three and a half hours? Oh, they're very full. They're <laughs> the fullest. They're very full. And you can get your fill of those because they go all the way back to the first WrestleMania. And coming out this weekend, everybody, SummerSlam 1994. Wow. You can get all of those for just five bucks a month. Here's my suggestion for you, okay? It's a brand new month. Try it out for January of 2022, okay? See what you think. If you don't like it, just cancel by the end of the month. That's it. We will not be upset. We don't take offense to that. No, not at all. We want you guys to try it. If you want to try it for free, all you got to do is send us a message. We even offer that, all right? We stand behind this, right? We're not trying to just get rich here. If you like OVP, if you like what we do, give it a shot for January. Just head on over to patreon.com slash OVP podcast. Get instant access to all of this extra stuff. That's if you want to support us. If you don't, we understand. It's okay. We're just thankful you're here. All right, Michael. It's time. It's time now for the Royal Rankings. Week number two. What is the Royal Rankings? Well, 
Before the season starts, we ask you, the fans, to give us a list of your top 10 of something and your bottom 10 of something. And for this season, very fittingly now, in January, it was Royal Rumble matches. So what happens is we take all of your votes, we put them in two separate tanks, one for the best, one for the worst. We pull out two names at a time, and then we rank them. That way, by the end of the season, what you will have is the baptized, ordained, non-GMO, USDA certified organic and healthy best and worst Royal Rumble matches Hmm. of all time. Quinn, there's only two on the board. It's true. And I'm going to run them down real quick for you. Both were somewhat surprising for me. Well, especially the second one. Number one is Royal Rumble 97. Right. I actually think that is... I've thought about this in the last two weeks. That's actually a pretty fucking good Royal Rumble. I like it. It actually is. Again, I like the ending a lot. And the the whole thread with Austin is really good. It's excellent. Number two, I really don't think this would have been on my best list. It's Royal Rumble 94. Not at all. Right? That might be a 10 right there. If anything, yeah. yeah, by, By the end of this. Yeah. So those are the two on the board. To give you guys an idea of the criteria, first of all, we don't vote for these. We're just ranking them. Second of all, Quinn, we've talked about what makes a good Royal Rumble and a bad Royal Rumble. Some of the qualities of a good Royal Rumble, I'd say. The roster. Right. When it's a bunch of tag wrestlers and like jobbers. I hate that. Yeah, I it hate stinks. it. It's so bad. Because you know that yeah. then there's like literally no intrigue, right? Yeah. So the roster being good always tag helps. Tag wrestlers. Just tag wrestlers. It. It's so horrible. <laughs> At least one or two good storylines within the match usually help. Yeah. You know, a or, or like something... Like one guy comes out early, one guy comes out late in the whole match. Everyone's looking forward to them. There you go. Finally hitting each other. Sometimes an yeah. Iron an Iron Man performance will yeah. steal the show. That's that okay. Guy at one wins it. Or the guy making a, you know, eliminating seven, eight, ten, eleven people. Yeah. There's all those things. The big fat guy. Yep. Everyone needs to get him out. One of your favorite things. Moments. Just moments. Things moments. that stand out. Yeah. An entrance maybe of some guy. Like right. like we said, where they're waiting for those two to fight. Like Jake the Steak comes out that one. Yep. With yeah. uh, Savage, right? Yeah. Yep. And the ending. A bad ending is a bad ending. Yeah. A good ending is what makes sense. So that's just some of the criteria that'll be refined as we continue on here as the weeks continue. But Quinn, if you're ready, I am too. Why don't we go down to Howard Finkel for the Royal Rankings. Ladies and gentlemen, it is now time for the Royal Rankings. The World Wrestling Federation Tag Team Champions are going to go at each other, Gorilla. of Royal Rumbles. Week number two, Michael Quinn. So royal. It's very rumbly, too. Yeah. So we've run them down, folks. we got two on the board. We're still in the early stages here, the embryonic stages Everything's of this. Everything's forming. Everything's forming. Right? Embryonic stew <laughs> of Royal Rumbles. Yeah. Uh, there's going to be two more names coming out one at a time here. So we've kind of talked about our criteria. Why don't we cut to the chase here, shall we? Cut the cheese. Let's cut the cheese. Let's all find out who true number three. Well, speaking of Cold Stone, yeah, <laughs> another <laughs> another Cold Stone special over here. Royal Rumble 1998. Yeah, I don't love it. You don't? No, 
Mm. I'll tell you why as we get into it. But I mean, I don't hate it either. Here's the good thing. It's 1998, right? So that's that's always plus. It's it's a fun period yeah. of time. It's a very transitional era between the attitude era like in earnest. Yeah. I'll tell you this go, go, going into this one, yeah. right? The one problem with this one is everyone knew Stone Cold was going to win. There's no doubt. Yeah, there's like no doubt at all. Yes, there's no suspense. And sometimes that's okay because if that's who you want to win and you know they're going to win, then at least the right guy is winning, right? And actually, I will say this. The WWF had a problem with that in the last couple of years before this one because last year, well, that one was special, right? But before that, there was 96. Everyone right? knew Which, Sean was winning. Everyone knew in, Shawn in Michaels was going to win, right? And in 95. Yeah, and in 1995. They are coming off like a lot of these Raw Rumbles yeah. where it was like preordained. Right. I think in 97, people either thought Austin or Brett. I think a lot of people thought Brett. Hart. I don't think anyone thought Austin was really going to win in 1997. Maybe like not. They thought like maybe it would be Austin and Brett at the end and right. Brett would just win and because he would fight Shawn Michaels. Duh. Which is what would have made sense, right? right? But in 98, it's a different story. The Austin push has already begun in earnest. I mean, he has given up the IC title. You remember he gave it to The Rock or gave it to Vince. Vince gave it to The yeah. Rock in December. Austin is on the rise here. There was almost no doubt that Austin was winning this one, but that doesn't take away from some of the fun of it. So this is January 18th, 1998, San Jose, California. Mm -hmm. Nice crowd, 18,000 people on hand. The roster on this one, uh, we're going to, we'll be running it down in order, but it's not a great roster. It's okay. It's not a great roster, but it's also very like, see, when I'm looking at a lot of these people, to me, I'm like, this is like peak attitude. Like I'm like looking at all these guys and it's like what I mean by that, it's it's peak pre attitude attitude. Let me rephrase that. <laughs> because it's a lot of the guys like before WCW people started like jumping in. That's true. It's like the last legs of that. Because at WrestleMania fourteen they exploded and then all of a sudden everybody wanted to come to WWE. Good point. Right. Good so point. it's the last bunch of that crew. That really got them through those doldrums of 1996 and some of 1997. That was bad. Good point. Yeah, right? we're gonna... you know, it's the last of it's the real last hurrah of that kind of new gen, but not really. You know what I mean? Like the transition. We're going to see a lot of those names actually. Yeah. The storyline going into this one because WWF obviously knew it was probably a foregone conclusion. Is that everyone kind of was targeting Austin because. They didn't want him to win. Vince was starting to indicate that he didn't want him to yeah, win. So that that's starting to a little right. bit, right? So they're at least giving you some type of intrigue here. I mean, Austin in 1997 was, people like to retcon this, like it happened after the whole suit thing or whatever. Yeah. But like, honestly, remember that, that fucking one of those things that were, were I, I love it so much, where like Vince is like talking to Austin on the like video and it just says like it it sucks and like all that yeah. and like it sucks but at the end of it Vince is like get him off yeah. get him off right, get I, 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 oh, he's so rude get him off get him <laughs> off we'll be back after this oh. like it like it was like little things like that right there was already hints that like Vince was like he didn't like this guy yeah. right or uh, during the stunner you know yeah. September 97 yeah so let's run it down here at number one Cactus Jack right now we're going to see McFoley maybe a couple more times here. And I believe this was advertised or was it not? I can't remember if he was advertised as anything but Cactus Jack. I don't, I don't think he was. He, I don't I remember who he was supposed to be I in think, this one. I this is Cactus. This is that one though, right? Where he does all three. Yes. Yeah, this is it. This is the one. So number one, Cactus Jack. And number two, Chainsaw Charlie. That's obviously Terry Funk. I want to note this on Chainsaw Charlie, by the way. <laughs> yes. It, I just think it's funny. Look at Chainsaw Charlie's t- 
time in the Royal Rumble, and that is like kind of insane. Twenty five minutes, the Funker was in there. <laughs> what? <So> he, <laughs> <laughs> That's like kind of nuts. Actually, I didn't realize he was in so long. He was, and uh, he had just come back. Actually, he had just returned as Chainsaw Charlie. I've heard stories that it was his idea. I've heard stories it was Jim Cornette's idea. Either way, it was weird, but I didn't hate it. I was just like, that's Terry Funk. Why can't he just be? So I actually had some weird intrigue about this, like as a kid, because I was like, I'm not kidding. I thought like, is he not supposed to be here or something? Like, no, is that, he like, was. cause he had like the stockings the on his face or on his head. Yes. Yeah. Like, and I was like, th- th- are they hiding it for some no. reason? Like it's I, supposed I, to be obvious. Yeah. I didn't know. Like I, I'm, I'm dead serious as a kid. I really thought, is it because he's still like on a contract with ECW? No. But like, yeah. yeah, like Paul gives a shit. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but I, you know, you don't know as a kid. I know. Right? You're right. So you're like, is there some kind of arrangement? So it's like, <laughs> this is, this is okay. And that's why he's chainsaw Charlie. Right. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I think it was his idea though. But anyway, he has a good sequence with cactus in there. And then number three is Tom Brandy. Who yes, had, Sal Sincere himself. Yep. This was right after Mark Marrow called him on air a jobber and said his real name is Tom Brandy. That was amazing, by this, the way. <laughs> it was kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. And this began a very brief uh, face run for Tom Brandy. And JR, Tom Brandy, good Tom ass learning. Yeah, like, of course. Yeah, like, great wrestler. At the University of Ass. I don't know what he said, but. I like radio. Yeah. Uh, he's in for 12 seconds. Also an honest Terry Funk, Cactus Jack, double teaming Brandy. Who's had his troubles in recent weeks with? Look out! Well, goodbye, Tom. Number four on the rise, The Rock. The Rock, baby, and now he's in this for quite a while. But he's also like, again, guy that might win, right? He's in that position this year. Yeah, there's very, very few people that you can put in that category. In this one, and The Rock's <laughs> yeah. one of them. Yeah. He's in for 51 minutes. He's on the rise. He's the Intercontinental Champion by this point. Right. Number five, also on the rise, Mosh. Just kidding. Uh, six, <laughs> not Winky. <laughs> no, not Winky. Yeah. Six is Phineas I. Godwin. The pig. The He's pig. still around. He's still around. And to clarify, because I know the timeline is murky, muddy, get it, mm-hmm. pigs. He doesn't have a shirt, which means they're heels. Good. Okay. <laughs> I love the heel Godwins, like we're, a lot. Where Phineas is all like deranged looking. He like, looks serious. Great. Yeah, it's yeah. It's, I like the lovable one that was into love with Sonny also, but I yeah. like this version Can more. I- why are we talking about Phineas so much? What were you going to say? I was going to say that I really, in general, when I think back to in Phineas's entire, like Phineas, Midian, whatever he is. Yeah. I really like this guy as a performer in general. It's pretty good. I, I think he's excellent, right? I don't know about excellent, but he's, he's pretty good. I don't know why. I, I He's just, he always held a special place in my heart, okay. the pig. No, that's like, cool. So I, I don't know. I, I, it's always happy to see him in anything. No, I, I like If him. he came back today, I'd like stand up and clap. Would you? Like, yeah, I, I just, he, he should be in the Hall of Fame. I love him. All right, we're going to calm down. Yeah. Uh, Can no, we put him in the Hall of Fame? No, we can't. Number, put the pig in the Hall of Fame. Put him in the pen. Yeah. Number seven, eight ball. Horrible. Now this is... <laughs> Crush is gone, so the DOA now extra doesn't matter. Oh, okay. You know what yeah, I mean? Remember that, that phase. <laughs> now, 8-Ball, I'm just going to say this out of the gate. He's in for 30 minutes. <laughs> the fuck? Why? That's horrible. So, anyway, that's one of the Harris twins, if you yeah. forget. Number eight, Blackjack Bradshaw. Yeah, not regular Bradshaw. Not Acolyte Bradshaw. Yeah. Or this Blackjack. was horrible, by the way. Like <laughs> Before they switched him to like the Acolytes or whatever. Yeah. The blackjack shit him. was dumb. I didn't care at the time. It was so poor. So that's why he's in for 35 minutes. Yeah. Uh, number nine, somewhat of the... He's not even like really being pushed. It's unfortunate, but it's Owen Hart. And what so I mean... Owen's like... Yeah, this was after Brett left. Oh, yeah. Right? 
I thought this character was super interesting, actually. He's mean. He's mean, but he's also a face weirdly. Yeah, but it like, didn't work. But I like it, this whole thing where, like, Owen's just left by himself. He, it's like the reverse of usually with Owen having, like, 16 people backing him up. Right. It's like him, like, now he's got to, like, yeah. come from behind, and I sort of like it. The sole survivor, he called yeah. himself. You know, the black heart. Yeah. But eh, it, it never really clicked for some reason. I like, oh, obviously, I love Owen. I he, thought it could have, like, again... Unfortunately, Owen Hart passed away, but given maybe two to three years to brew, I really thought like, wow, Owen Hart could be like a big deal I once think, once this once the dust settles, right? I think everybody thought that. And yeah. I think it's true. He's eliminated by China and Triple H who aren't in the match, but they're feuding with him. Right. That feud was cool, actually. I don't know. I think all they did was make Owen look stupid for the most part. I didn't really think it was good. But it drove Owen to get back up, and that's what was so interesting about it. With the, the nation, nation, you mean? Yes. Yeah, I guess in that, yeah. re- in that regard, it was okay. Yeah. Number 10 is Steve Blackman, who is pretty new at this point. He had debuted around Survivor Series. Not gonna lie. Guy I really like for some dumb reason, Steve Blackman. Great look. Yeah, great awesome look, look. And uh, head cheese later. Yes, and I know. Chester McCheese are in and everything. <laughs> you love it. He's, he's one of my favorites. He wears a cheese hat and he's yeah. all serious about it, right? Yeah, it's so good. I know. Number 11, D'Lo Brown. Yeah, the D'Lo. No problem with him. He was in for over a half hour. Number 12, <laughs> Kurgan. <laughs> now, yeah. Now, Kurgan's your big guy for this one, right? Is he, that what they're doing here? He's your big guy. The context with him is this is just around the time there's no more um, Truth Commission. Or Good. <laughs> is the Commandant gone? Way gone. Yeah. The Jackal's around, but I think this is where I could be slightly off on my timing. I think Kurgan like, <laughs> chokeslammed the rest of the Truth Commission, but he was still a heel. He's like, <laughs> fuck you! I, you know what I find funny about the Truth Commission? It's the, bad. The whole timeline with them is so hazy. Because there's like because <laughs> Bret Hart's involved when they come in. Yeah, you know, I got this great team here. <laughs> there's the Commandant era and the Jackal era, yeah, and it's like, so uh, long. It's so long, and like there's all these weird like fucking like what's his head's in it. The guy I don't Bull like. Buchanan. Bull Buchanan's in it, and uh, I know, but like all these fucking like recon <laughs> matches would come on Raw. Be like, I don't care. What's they on come, Nitro? They come out, and you'd immediately want to change the yeah. channel. They're like the weirdest fucking faction ever. It was so shitty. I'm sorry. It I was. never understood why they thought this would work. I don't know. Like within two weeks of it existing, I was like, I don't care about this. Like, like, do they have cruiserweights on the other channel? Like, this sucks. And they tried to make Kurgan into something, but the he couldn't wrestle. <laughs> He's actually just, not even the worst to person. Me it's, it's overall but, like retroactive. It's like a fascinating like thing to me it like is. That, it, that it existed for as long as it did when we talk about how like 97 and 98 were good this is not what we <laughs> no, mean not these guys every <laughs> time you saw the khakis and the red hats or whatever you were like okay bye yeah <laughs> it's like <laughs> you know what i mean i do number 13 this guy was good i love him in the attitude era marvelous mark marrow yes big fun mm-hmm. very fun character now he's still in the midst of the sable Oh um, yeah, overshadowing him thing. Very much being an asshole about Boxer it. Boxer edition. I love yeah. that version of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fourteen again, another guy that was a big deal in '97 and '98. Yeah, Kenny Shamrock. Forget, yeah, people forget about this. Ken Shamrock was over honestly, as hell, man. Oh, here's the man. It did it. Stone Cold. You better look out, Rocky Maivia. Here comes Shamrock. He was so over. And what I thought interesting about Ken Shamrock is from day one. 
he always felt like a world title threat because it was like, no, he's real. Like, you know, like that's how they kind of sold him, right? And he had that look of a champion. Yeah. He really did. It's like, no, no, no. Like, if Austin fought him, I, we don't think he could beat him. Well, like, he, he, like he, he's actually like a good wrestler. You know what's funny about that is one of Vince Russo's biggest regrets about 98 He's like, bro, I, I I don't know why I didn't put Austin with Shamrock. Right. He's like, he just fucked up, you know? And yeah. he's like, how did we not do that? It was weird because the one interesting thing about Ken Shamrock is he didn't even need to talk. He just walked in the room and you're like, that's a badass guy. Right. Like he's going to, whoever met, tries to fight him, they're going to get wrecked. Right. right. You know? So maybe like a two out of 10 chance of winning this one, at yeah. least somewhat of a contender here. Mm-hmm. Better than the next guy at 15, Thrasher. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's Winky. That's right? Winky. Yeah, yeah, there's Winky. No, Mosh is Winky. I'm no, sorry. No, no, no. Mosh is not Winky. Oh, Mosh isn't Winky? No, Mosh is is Chaz. Oh, Thrasher's Winky? Thrasher's Winky. Sorry. Nice call, Ed Mop or whatever his real name is. I forget. Did you? T- I don't know. I remember it. That's wait, 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 I wait, still wait. don't remember what it is. Did you just call him Ed Mop? Yeah, I don't remember his name. Whatever it was. Glenn that's Ruth. Why I, Glenn Ruth. Yeah, that's Winky or whatever. Ed Mop. Yeah. E Honda. What's I don't know. Like any any. I can never remember his name. <laughs> is this a uh, Mugsy? What's his name? What Ruth? Mugsy Ruth, Glenn Ruth, Glenn Ruth, Mugsy. Yeah, what's what the hell are you thinking of? Otis. What? Yeah, the 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 guy. What was his name when when he was the when he was that character? Threat Mosh. That's his different. Oh, that's the other one. Winky. What was it? Let <laughs> me tell you. No, no, no. What was it? Um, Chaz. No, not Chaz. When Beaver Cleavage. Beaver Cleavage. That's it. That's the other headbanger. Yeah, Winky. What? Remember that whole thing? You don't remember? Winky. Winky. Ed Mop. Ed Mop. Uh, Number 16 is Mankind. Yeah, he's already in. Yeah, I know, but they don't care. It's fine because he's got all these personalities. So that's the rules now, right? If you have a different name, (laughs) you can come. What if if Shamrock came back in his Len Shamrock? Yeah. I'm different. You know what's funny is the next guy is the artist formerly known as Goldust. So does that mean if he came in as just Goldust? Oh, he true. Could, he could also come in. Or Dusty Dust or yeah, any of those yeah, dusts, right? Yeah, exactly. Or that weird thing where he just wore black with a white like face. You know yeah, what I'm talking about? That. that weird character yeah, no, from I WCW. Know. What was Seven. that called? Seven. That's yeah, it. It was great. <laughs> black trench coat and a white face paint. Yeah. Right? He's a time bomb. Yeah. Um, he was in for a long time, Goldust. Number 18, Quinn's favorite, the Aztec warrior, Jeff Jarrett. Horrible. <laughs> I'm in the NWA now. Oh, my uh, God. Remember that? <laughs> yeah. I am the NWA United States something. North, North American. North American. It's like, what? I'm turning the channel now. Yeah. <laughs> what, uh, what's on WCW? <laughs> number 19, if I'm not mistaken, Quinn, tell me what you remember. Was he a surprise entrant or was this announced? The Honky Tonk Man. The Honky Tonk I, Man. I remember him being in it. I remember him entering and he had a single on, which was weird. Cause to he never, me, I think this... If was I, this a surprise? The, if I recall, the Honky Tonk was like their their legends figure in this. But was he announced? I think he was, right? I cannot remember Perhaps. if he was pre-announced. But anyway, that's I the only, I just if anyone remembers Does it even matter? No. No. But it's an early example of them bringing someone back for one night. Yeah, it's it's the classic. Well, they did with Dick Murdoch that and <laughs> Greg Valentine in 94. Like yeah. they would do it, but yeah. this is an early example. Twenty, he's still there, Ahmed Johnson. Yeah, it was kind of unfortunate. Like Ahmed, this is when he the the beginning of ninety eight is when he started to really fade. Yeah, right? he was gone by 
February, March. It always felt like, again, just wasted potential. It was like he was oh, one yeah. of the guys that clearly should have been going forward. They they used. And they wanted them to be. Yeah, he just kept getting hurt. He kept getting hurt. Uh, number 21, early on in his nation run, Mark Henry. Yeah. Big fan. Best. <laughs> He's care. so good. I yeah. know. Now, number 22, this is the funnies. Skull is supposed to come out, but he doesn't. And the reason for this is because the roster backstage had attacked a bald guy with a goatee in the bathroom. Oh, because they thought it was Steve Austin. Yes, but it was Skull. Why wasn't it 8-Ball? <laughs> I guess 8-Ball got lucky. I see 8-Ball should have just come out and be like, yeah, I'm Skull. Oh, they could have done that. Nobody would have ever noticed. We're letting Mick Foley do it. They literally look the same. I, well, they're twins. Yeah. So, exactly. Nobody will ever know. <laughs> Number 23, comma, Mustafa. He's still very Mustafa here. Yeah, very Mustafa. <laughs> not, not, not even comma anymore. He's no. just Mustafa. <laughs> he's not a supreme fighting machine, but he's not a pimp. He's not a godfather yet. No, yeah. nothing. Uh, number 24, the guy everyone was waiting for, Stone Cold Steve Austin. There he is. That's Austin's music. The action has stopped. Everybody is awaiting the arrival of Stone Cold Steve Austin. And he's in the hand. Austin came from the crowd. Now everyone's like looking at the ramp, remember, because the music yeah. hits and then he just comes around. Yeah. He's I, Austin. I did think it was uh, rather odd this concept of Steve Austin is the guy we got to eliminate, like as if he's like Andre the Giant or something. Well, to be fair, Quinn, they did that with Flair in '92. Everyone wanted to get Flair out of there. Well, I figured. I guess the way they were really booking it was the, the way that they wanted you to think of it. Right, is that Stone Cold has spent the better part of two years pissing off every single person True. on this roster. True. <laughs> like he would, like he was one of those. He would. He he didn't discriminate. Right. He never allied with anyone. It was no always one. like fuck everyone even my he turned on his friends like brian pillman and right. stuff like that like he is just a dick yeah so i guess that's what they're going for here is right it's everyone wants to get revenge on stone cold for something yeah and no one has any reason to like him either right you know like there's no reason to like him if right. you're if you're a wrestler it was I'm just a, to me it was like it was also weird though because of the fact that stone cold was like he wasn't a big man no, so but it's like it's but weird everyone gunning for him. That's but he's all. proven as like the toughest guy. Right. Yeah. You know, like he, you can't beat him really. It's very yeah. hard. Number 25, Henry Goblin. Another, another guy we like. He's, he's there. Hank. No problem with Hank. Yeah. 26, Savio Vega during the Los Bariquas phase. Ugh. Yeah. It's, I don't like that faction. It didn't help. Yeah. Uh, 27, Farouk. On his own, right? Uh, no, he's still a heel the here. Nation, I'm saying it's the nation's. He's still in it or not? Oh, yeah. He's in it. Okay. Yeah, he's a heel. Uh, but Farouk is starting to have problems with The Rock. Yes. That's what's going on here. Number 28, again, Mick Foley as Dude Love. Never mm -hmm. never mind that he hadn't been Dude Love in like months. Well, it's because if he did two, you got to do the third I know, one, right? I know. At that point, I think everyone was expecting. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, okay, they did the chains. They did the other one. Yeah, you're right. Uh, number 29, Chains. What a what a hot commodity here. Yeah. Leader of the DOA chains and number brian lee that's brian lee all right <laughs> the undefaker how is he still around well he's he's there for a few months it's like if crush was still here i wish crush was still here it'd be better than oh chains. yeah but, but he was in wc dub right <laughs> yes you know my friend brian adams and then he immediately sucked <laughs> as usual like wcw was probably like fuck, fuck why did we sign him just because they could right yeah. they think they're clever yeah uh number 30 Vader. Yeah, Vader's still around. Still around. He had defeated Goldust earlier in the night in the opener, and Goldust here eliminates him. So anyway, it comes down to a final two, and I'll always remember this, of Steve Austin and The Rock. Of course it does. And that's very fitting, but it's also out of necessity because other than Steve Austin, I think The Rock is, pro maybe or Mick Foley, 
are yeah. the only real credible people that could win this. True. At this point, like you, even though Farouk's pretty good, no one thinks Farouk is going to win. No one thinks Vader's winning. It's in sad that, like, no. To me, that was the one that I was thinking. It's like it's sad that nobody has any faith in Vader. Like, yeah, it was just over. Yeah, it was just over by then. So obviously, Steve Austin eliminates The Rock, wins the Royal Rumble. Mike Tyson is so happy about it. Cold yeah. Stone, Cold, my Cold Stone's won, or <laughs> yep. whatever he says. So Austin's going to get his title shot against Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania. Well, Shawn Michaels obviously got injured later this night. This is another thing to remember here. Yeah. The Royal Rumble did not end the show, which yeah. I don't like when they do that. I think in this case, specifically because you had a high high profile thing of Shawn Michaels versus The Undertaker. And because they lit a casket on fire. Right. That's I, why I think. I think that it's just also because it's actually questionable who is going to be the... When you have a situation where it's not like a, a foregone conclusion... True. Like, maybe you should do that second. Yeah. Right? It's like, this is one of those situations where, well, the Undertaker could just win. That He's, he the, he's the fucking Undertaker, right? Good like, point. Yeah. But anyway, we know what happened here. This is a big win for us. It went on to win the world title, and the right. rest is history. I don't think it's a great Royal Rumble, though, but I don't hate, I don't think it's a, a bad one. I just don't think it's... It's preordainedness it, is what hurts it. Yeah. It's not a very good... In ring, it's not very good, though. Not a lot happens. It's it's okay. I mean, they make a big deal about the three faces of Foley, but, but I, and I think care. for a lot of people, the one thing about it was it wasn't Stone Cold winning by bullshit. It was like, to me, another step in the, we need to establish Stone Cold as the next guy. Yes, I mean, and it was a necessity. It's like a crowning yeah. moment, and that's why it's remembered. It was necessary. Right. And uh, it's not bad, but yeah. I don't know how much I love it or not. So we will find out. But next thing we're going to find out, Quinn, if you're ready, is who drew number four. Sure. All righty. Royal Rumble 2000. I love this one. In the garden. Yeah. Can I just say also on the last Royal Rumble and on this Royal Rumble, yes. um, we didn't mention it's every 90 seconds on the last two. Oh, good two point. That Thank we, you, Quinn. Yeah. So just going forward with this one too. Yep. This is when they started to shorten them up most yep. of the time. So Royal Rumble 2000 comes at a different point in time in the Attitude Era. We're well established. We're post-Russo. It's starting to become more storyline-y, wrestling based. It's the Chris Kresge era. Yeah. Uh, you like the Chris Kresge era. I do because the wrestling was better mm -hmm. and the storylines actually made sense uh, more, not everything, but more than they had under Russo's 99. Correct. Um, so with that said, the roster here, in my opinion, out of the gate, I'm going to say it, I think it's actually better than 98's. True. It's completely different. Too. It's completely different for the most part. What's interesting about 2000 is this is where Austin is gone. So The Rock is the number one face. Triple H is a champion. We know that because he has the street fight against Foley. Uh, right. Cactus Jack. One of this. the best Royal Rumble like things. singles things I've ever... Oh, it's one of my favorite 100%. matches. And it's a Triple H match, so that's saying something. He was good in 2000. Yeah. He really was. I'm trying to remember what I thought at the time. In 98, I knew Austin was winning, but I'm pretty sure in 2000, I figured The Rock was going to win. Right. Do you remember what you thought? I think that I thought The Rock was yeah. going to win. It's just not as blatantly foregone, maybe, as 98. I don't I remember. The Rock, yeah, I think I thought... The Rock's got to beat stupid Triple H at WrestleMania. Like he's being, he's been so fucking annoying for yeah. months. Like, yes. right, it's like it's time for The Rock to end this, right? Correct. It's like because he's The Rock. Right. He's, he's better than Triple H. Everyone knows it, right? And it's it's such a good example of face versus heel because right. Triple H's heel work was so annoying that you couldn't wait for The Rock to beat him, even though he The Rock's a dick. The thing with Triple H is that because of the the Stephanie connection. He never felt legit 
to the fans, right? As like, oh, he just gets away with this shit because he's got the boss's daughter by his side. He can do whatever the fuck he wants, well, yeah, right? And that was the storyline. And, and, uh, right, and it was like, well, The Rock is just better in every respect. Even if the rules are stacked against him, The yep. Rock would beat this loser, there right? It was like, that was kind of the thought process, yep. right? Meanwhile... The Triple H versus Cactus Jack match that took place right before this. And mm -hmm. we've talked ad nauseum about how great it is. Yep. But I think the rock interference in it was connected to the Royal Rumble a little bit this year because it, it showed you the rock almost fucking costed Triple H right there. The whole thing. The whole thing. Yep. That's how like the feud was like that. Everyone knew who was going to fight each other. Right. Good point. It right? was it really was, positioned to be triple H versus the rock. It's like when cactus Jack was in need, the rock comes. <laughs> it's still one of my favorite things, but he like, he hits him with a chair and the rock does the Rudy poo candy. ass like dance away yep. into the, out of the, it was fucking perfect. But anyway, so rock is like the big favorite here. Definitely right? is. Yeah. But we got a lot of new faces here from 98. So let's run them down. Number one though, not a new face. D'Lo Brown. Yes. D'Lo. Unfortunately, this is post, the draws incident, so he's kind of on the downturn mm -hmm. career-wise. Number two, Grandmaster Sexay. At their height, too cool. Yeah, two thousands are height. Love too it cool. Is. I don't care what anyone says that are so good. I know, I love them. Yeah. Number three, Mosh, which I remember The Rock doing a promo where he sarcastically said it might be tough because he has to get past people like Mosh. Yeah, that was funny. <laughs> there are two who might give The Rock problems. Number one is going to be Crash Holly. Number two is going to be Headbanger Mosh. Yeah. Who is not Winky, obviously. Not Winky. Ed Coat or whatever. Yeah. Ed Mop. <laughs> no, Ed Mop is Thrasher. He's also Winky. <laughs> Number four is Christian. This is uh, post the tit, you know, yeah. Terry Invitational. So he's yeah. over. Yep. But it's not He's quite... a tag wrestler, though, basically. Yeah, exactly. Uh, number five, Rikishi. So Rikishi comes in, right? Big quiche. And now the big quiche. Now he helps eliminate everyone immediately right yes he eliminates seven people total except for grand master right so then scotty Duhati's at number six right yep and then it's all three of them yep and then they put the sunglasses on them and they do the dance and like the whole crowd like flips out And then the funniest thing, after, like, as soon as the lights come up and the dance is over, Rakishi just eliminates both them. Yep. And then they do, like, <laughs> they do the awesome, like, high five handshake. Yeah, they don't care. Like, and they're like, you go get him, Rakishi. It's like, fair enough, right? It's like, they, they like, cheer him on as they, like, are both eliminated by him. Because they're just like, yeah, we knew we weren't going to win. We're tag wrestlers. It's like, Rakishi's our guy. He's going to win the world title for too cool, man. I like that team because they're like, supposed to be sucky. Yeah. Like the two tag guys, you know, yeah. Brian Christopher and Scotty Two. They're not supposed to be that but good. But they're Rakishi's like cheerleader. Yes. Like they're like on his side. And you know what? Good for Fatu getting a good singles push. This whole thing with Rakishi was great. It was. I don't yeah. care what anyone says. It's fine of its time and yeah. he's a good wrestler. I just like I liked it. I, and I like that it finally did something with Too Cool. Yes. Like we're too cool. They had like a they had a cool dynamic. Like this was their big like backup right Correct. like rakishi is like helped them out it was good yeah number seven is steve blackman and uh head cheese but this is this is during head cheese period it's that era uh, good. He, he's not in long though less yeah. than a minute Aww. number eight is viscera also not in long uh, I, remember, is, I remember thinking this was weird for some reason because he's, he's he's prime viscera like he's ridiculous garbage bag era <laughs> yeah. right yeah. it's uh he's His eliminated. music's so weird he's eliminated after like a minute by rakishi 
Number nine, the big boss man. Yeah, the evil one. Very really evil. He's very mean. <laughs> he, had already, he had already been a big dick it's about my favorite big boss man, by yeah. the way. <laughs> is uh, it really? I mean, my favorite's the 89, 88, but... I don't know. This one is... Um, especially when he gets to 2000, he's like extra mean. And then he has that great partner, Bull Buchanan. No, that part's stinky. No, it's but good. It's more the it's stuff good. that he does on his own that's really hilarious. Okay. It like, just over the top. I like Bull Buchanan. Yeah. I know. I like 89 Boss Man too, but it's I'm the just, best. He, it's just, this one holds a special place in my heart just because it's just so fucking rotten. Comically evil, like, right? He's insane. Yeah, he I know. He's like dog. <laughs> Al Snow, his own he makes dog. Al Snow eat his own dog. The casket. Yeah. He's just an asshole. He's, just, he's so ridiculous. Horrible. Like, yeah. Number 10, Test. Okay. Yeah. Okay. He already doesn't matter. It's sad that he already didn't matter. I think the biggest problem with Test is they hyped him as like this big deal, and like what made it worse is that he's getting married to Stephanie, and that shit like just now he extra didn't matter. It was like a big loser yeah. after that. That was the problem, but yep. whatever. Number eleven, the British bull. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, the Wolf Wolf Pants wolf. edition, <laughs> the jeans edition. Yeah. Yeah, that was great. Twelve Gangrel. Mm-hmm. I like him more in retrospect than I did at the time. It's true. He's it's actually like, really good. He's funny. <laughs> he's a good character. He never character. really wrestled, though. After after Edge and Christian were with him, he like didn't wrestle, really. He was basically a manager. <laughs> he just like, managed he, Yeah. It's very strange. <laughs> I, I always thought, like, when I was a kid, I was like, is he hurt? Like, why is he not fighting anybody? Right. Like, I was always confused about this. I think they just figured out eh, you don't need to wrestle. And, and what made it extra perplexing is he's the only guy ever to have copyright White Wolf Productions on his, like, cryon or whatever. One of your favorites. And I was like, so he's, like, a big deal. He owns, like, a comic book company or whatever that is. Like, I don't, like, I didn't know what that was, but all I said to myself was like, oh, that must mean he's important, right? right? Like, they're going to push him, right? <laughs> it's like, they, they went out of their way to, you know, give him a copyright or something. No, it just means they didn't own his name. Yeah. <laughs> uh, number 13, Hedge. So, Edge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tag wrestler. Right. Number 14. Here you go. The retro person yep. in here. And this was a surprise entrant from what I understand. No context or anything. Probably only because they're in MSG. So yeah. he's like an old favorite. Well, he's there anyway at everything. Yeah. <laughs> they just brought him inside from the lobby. Yeah. Bobby Backlund. Bob Backlund. What? Wait a minute. I think everyone's put, fine with it. They could put Bob Backlund in the Royal Rumble tomorrow. Everyone like the next Royal yep. Rumble because <laughs> honestly, he's 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 at everything anyway. Yeah, exactly. Uh, number 15, Chris Jericho. Yeah. Now, this is when he was co or yeah. I, no, didn't he win it once and for all at I, this? Does it matter? Like, yeah. It's a Royal Rumble. This is the one where it was the triple threat between him mm-hmm. and China who were co and then we're going to have a triple threat with Bob Holly involved. <laughs> How the fuck did he get involved? Because they had to try to push him for some reason. God, it, oh, I'm sorry, but he's like very not that good. Remember that time at the Royal Rumble where they put him in the, the world, world title? title? I was like, what? Bob Bob <laughs> Holly? He's nobody. <laughs> I, what a loser. I know, I know. But anyway, China eliminates Jericho. Okay. Dewey defeats Truman. Number 16, Crash Holly. Love him. Aw. I know, me too. I miss him. It's, it's funny, we just talk talk shit about Bob Holly, but Crash Holly, was, he was the star. Well, because they didn't try to make him a world title contender. <laughs> I just like that he came out with a scale. He's the best. <laughs> He's so good. He was a nice man. Yeah. Uh, 17 is China. Yeah. Great. Number 18, Farouk. This is Acolyte era. Yes. A- bordering on APA era. We're like getting close to where they turned face if I they love, weren't I, yet. This team, I like them a lot. APA? Yeah. Me too. I, I loved felt, them at the time. The weird thing about the APA is they felt like a legitimate threat. 
they were one tag team that felt like, whoa, okay. Don't fuck with yeah, these don't guys. fuck with it. They could just win the tag titles when they felt like it. Like I, that's how they operated. I also liked that they had an office. Yeah. And if people didn't use the door, they would get very they upset. They get very upset. <laughs> and also they were the kind of guys that if you like fucked with them. My favorite part about the APA was that sometimes people would like fuck with them in their office earlier in the show. Don't do and that. And then randomly like later on on the Raw episode, like they'd be wrestling and APA would just come out and beat the ever loving shit out of them. Yeah. And like, you, and everyone would be like, yeah, and it would, it would totally be like unfair and cause a disqualification, but the fans were like into it. Well, that's because you shouldn't, like, you shouldn't mess with them. Yeah. They were great. Okay. So who's next? Well, Road Dog. Love Road Dog. Now, is this the one where Road Dog does the thing where he like hooks onto the bottom rope or something? Uh, I don't know if it's this one or not. I mean, it's very good. He does that a lot. Yeah. It might be this one because he is in for almost 20 minutes. I, I love the Road Dog. He's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, 20, Al Snow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 20, uh, 21, Val Venus. Not really mattering by this point. Yeah. 22, Prince Albert. Right. Obviously, that would be. Albert. Now, if I recall... A train. And I feel what? like we're deep into it enough now to mention this. Isn't there a thing in this Royal Rumble where, like, Taka and Funaki, like, <laughs> won't stop coming out, but they're not in it? Right. And, like, there's one where, like, somebody throws them out, and, like, Taka does, like, a triple flip and lands on his fucking face on the, on the like, <laughs> outside mat, and King is... So so happy about this like he's laughing so hard that he he makes it so that we have to watch a replay of it like three <laughs> times in a row and king's like ha look at it look at the spin <laughs> this is what i mean about king was so good he in this is one funny at it's this like I, the only reason i'm mentioning it is because they're not real entrants no i know but i know it's like this funny thread <laughs> that's like they keep coming they keep coming out but they're not in the they're not in it yes. yeah and they keep like losing and it's always like some tremendously horrible thing happens <laughs> to them every single time okay we see you get thrown out by boss man one more time that was entertaining look at this oh man he landed right on his face King goes on about this for like five minutes about how funny it was when Taka landed on his face on the outside. I'll give them credit here because I know some people don't like Jerry Lawler as an announcer ever, which is weird. But him, he and JR from about 97, 98 until he leaves the first time in a one. They are very good together. This is a this is a great Royal Rumble for them, and yep. I just needed to say that as we get to like the twenty spot here. Yes, it's like that, that's a thing that's going on, and plus the commentary is just excellent. It, it during is. This. It like, is number twenty three. Hardcore Holly. Speaking of him, mm-hmm. eh. all right. Let me be fair. I didn't mind Hardcore Holly as a wrestler. I actually thought it was much better than Job Squad, than yeah. Spark Plug Holly, yeah, than any of that. The only time I minded him is when it seemed like he was gonna. They were trying to make him a main eventer or something. So bad. And I'm just like, like I said, they like they tried to put him in a Royal Rumble yeah, world title world match. title match, and I'm like, all right, let's not get carried away. He's not that good. Yeah, you know There's that's all that, I ever meant. That thing where like he was like. I'll make Cody Rhodes a good wrestler. Or whatever. Oh, God. That, remember that whole and shit? And all he like, did was beat him over and over again. And like the funny part about that to me was like, I was like, you're really going to take lessons from hardcore Holly, this fucking loser? Like, you know what I mean? Like in kayfabe, right? Remember like, when he's also like, I'm better than Brock Lesnar. I'm not going to let him powerbomb me or whatever. I was like, you're a fucking jobber, dude. Like, get out of here. So, number 24, some actual star power finally. Mm-hmm. The Rock. Yes, The Rock. Very much the Rock during this oh, period of yeah. time. Like we said, he just came off the whole thing with Triple H and everything. Yep. 
Number 25, the one, Billy Gunn. Yeah, it's a fact. He's here. <laughs> no, he's not really the one Billy Gunn. I just no. felt like saying that. Uh, he doesn't have the music. No, yet. he's still Mr. Ass. The premier ass. The premier ass of professional wrestling. So, he is here, that ass. Yeah. Uh, 26, the big show. Now, I want to give context on the big show. Mm-hmm. He had won the world title unexpectedly at Survivor Series it's 99. Unfortunate. <laughs> he still had long hair. And then he, um, he lost the world title to Triple H on the first Raw of 2000. And I don't know why he ever won it. I think yeah. because Austin was injured, so they just wanted to go with the surprise factor of someone winning it. Mm-hmm. But it was very sudden, very out of nowhere. It was very no one cared. Right. So he's here. Number 27, Bradshaw. We mentioned the APA. The APA. They're all over this. He's quickly eliminated by the New Age Outlaws. That's unfortunate. Number 28 is Kane. Very over in 2000 still. Yeah, Kane. Kane was a big deal. Now, Kane here, he's at the height of his powers. I feel like 2000. This is like, yep. Kane is still a threat. I'd say like 99 to, I don't know. He was actually a pretty good threat. 98 to the early 2000s. Basically until they did that thing where his mask came off. That's like yeah. was the end of Kane. To Even make. the heel run though that he had for a while is bald Kane was pretty good, but it got old. Yeah, it really did. Original bald Kane was okay. Yeah. It fizzled out. Anyway, number 29, The Godfather. Yeah, Pimpin' Ain't Easy. Pimp, now, this not. is This is the classic. Um, yeah, he's got, still classic. This is the classic where, you know, especially at the Royal Rumble, they do the thing where there's like 73 Godfather's hoes or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Yes. Number 30, X-Pac. And this is X-Pac heat to the extreme. Yeah, no, nobody, not really. That's nobody, more like a one. Eh, I, no, I, 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 think I feel like it was starting to happen, though, I think you're right? misremembering. No, it's more like yeah, no, it's like oh one oh two when people were tired of him because mm. he was still there. Yeah, that was they're like, why are you still here? I feel like two thousand though it was starting to happen. No, right? he's like still very over from his whole ninety nine run. No way. I suppose. I think they're heels here though. Remember yeah. they're with like Triple H. Yes, this is it's what I mean. Era. It's like DX. They're like associates or something. Correct. Like, and it was like they weren't good anymore. No, they weren't. Yeah. I agree. It didn't matter anymore. Yeah. So the deal with X-Pac is he actually gets thrown out by The Rock, but the refs didn't see it because they were fucking around with something else. So he comes back in. But anyway, what we come down to is Big Show and The Rock. Right. So both guys kind of go over the top rope. And this isn't really shown clearly on the cameras. And I don't yes. think this is intentional. So this, this, if I recall, the night of the show, Nothing I is, didn't know that this happened. Correct. No I one no, really did. I was like, what are they? When they showed this the next, I'm like, what the fuck are they talking about? Right. Like, this didn't happen. But it really did. And it wasn't supposed to. The Rock's feet touched first, but no one acknowledges that on the pay-per-view. No one knows about it. It's not talked about. The Rock wins. Okay. Big Show loses. The Rock wins the Royal Rumble like everyone thought would happen. The next night on Raw, I believe it's the next night. Maybe it's a week after. I can't remember. Big Show comes out. Now, remember, he's still a face, right? T-shirt. Yes. T-shirt era. And he's like, but look, I have the tape. All I'm saying is The Rock's feet hit first. And Triple H, remember, him and Stephanie are running things. (laughs) And Triple H is like, okay, uh, you know, and whatever. Big Show uh, wins. uh And this is eventually how we get to that fucking horrible fatal four-way match at WrestleMania 2000. And everybody sitting in Madison Square Garden last night, and all the fans watching on pay-per-view, saw Rocky's feet hit the ground first. Well, the show dominated The Rock, and most of that exchange, King, there's no doubt about that. Who cares? But the point is, is that Big Show turns almost heel out of this because The Rock's like, shut up. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, The Rock's, I don't care. It doesn't matter yeah. what you think. And he makes fun of his haircut. Yeah. And immediately... Big Show is like almost a heel. Yeah. And um, I guess the point is, is I don't like this too much, even though I think the match is better than 98 mm-hmm. because the aftermath 
is not The Rock versus Triple H. Yeah, it it's, stinks. It's this hideous fatal four-way. And the reason I hate it is because Mick Foley and all that. And like, <laughs> big show. And it just, I didn't like it. So yeah. the, the match it, is better than, two, than match, 98, though. It's one of the better Royal Rumbles, yes. which is the funniest thing. It's right. It's like yes. the commentary's good. The roster's fun. The right They're, guy the, wins. The eliminations are hot and heavy and fast yep. and quick. And, you know, just things are happening. And Taka and Funaki keep running yeah, in. And, and, the, and the Rikishi sunglasses. And it's, <laughs> it's all fun, right? It's all fun. It's just a fun Royal Rumble. And it's the, just ruined by WrestleMania, basically. That's the thing. But, mm-hmm. like, the right guy won booking-wise. The Rock should yeah. have won this, of course. So, anyway, is it time to rank? Sure. Let's do it, Michael. So, at number one, 1997. And at number two, 1994. Uh, so, we're starting with Royal Rumble 98. What are your thoughts, initial I think thoughts? it's better than 94. Yes. But I don't think it's better than 1997. Because I, I like 1997's, like, fun ending. That's like, exactly it, what I think. It's like, I feel like there's not even, like, an argument there, right? I, this is, like, super simple. I think so. I think roster-wise, in terms of star power, they're comparable, 94 yeah. or 98. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of people in 94 that you think are going to win either. It's pretty much either Brett or Luger is going to win. Right. In 98, it's even more foregone, though. Let's yeah. be fair. To be fair, yeah. However... 97's a huge surprise. 97's not only a huge surprise... It's a star-making performance for Austin. Right. He keeps this whole thing flowing. Like, there's crap in the 97 Rumble. We talked about it. Yeah. Like, fucking Hector Gaza, bro, and, like, yeah. all that stuff. Cybernetico's and, in it. Cybernetico, yes. And uh, Pierrot. Yeah. Whoever he but is. There's, like, I a don't... lot of crap. Mil Mascarez. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, but 98's roster isn't great either. It's in a papered dome. Eight Ball is in the 98 Rumble for, like, a half hour. Well, just Eight Ball's get... also... He's in right. a lot of Royal Rumbles. He is yeah. way too many. Yeah. There's a lot of crap in in all three of these rosters. I think the justification for 98 being better than 94 and worse than 97 is at least 98 has a, a winner. Yeah. <laughs> also, 98, like, again, it's like one of a... It's like a crowning moment thing, for right? It's like 94 should be that for Bret Hart, but of course we have to do this. Yeah. Do they like Lex Luger or do they like Bret? We're not sure. <laughs> yeah. like, like, even though it's so obvious. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Whereas in 97, you got a hot finish that actually leads to some good shit. You know what I mean? The like, Fatal although Four. Although the WrestleMania is bad. To me, it's the most ironic part good about point. 1997. Is like It's one of the greatest, everything up to the Raw of rest before WrestleMania. It's like literally the best Raw before WrestleMania yeah. I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. And like, and then WrestleMania sucks. But like at least it's, you, it's bizarre. But at least you get the Brett Austin out of it. Yeah. Which is started here. Rumble right. 97. We'll exactly. start before that. But okay. So we think 98 is number two. Why is it better than 94 in your opinion? Just one more time. Because it's like a it's like a crowning moment. Right. And it's okay. it's definitive. And it's like there's okay, a winner. There's a winner. And it's just like, hey, like this is just the signal. This is Austin's time. Right. And, it's like that's like the point of it. And, and it even has the, I do think the whole, the Chainsaw Charlie and then the Mankind uh, do love and all that. No, them. it's okay. Like, that shit's fun. There's some moments. Like, yeah. It's got honky. Yeah. Why not? Yeah, why the hell not, right? And also, Austin goes on to just win the title. There's no crap. Yeah, there's no, I mean, 1997 was chaotic as shit. Yes, but we think the 97 Rumble is better because of the Austin thread is much more yeah, fun. It's, it's more fun. And this, it's preordained in 98, okay. so it's slightly better. I'll go with you. Yeah. I'll go with you. Okay, now 2000. Yes. That's an interesting case. I think it's better than both 94 and 98, right? I think on the grounds of being a much more exciting in-ring rumble, it's better than 94 and 98. Now, I, again, I don't want to shit too much on 94 because 94 does have diesel. That's and there's fun. some fun stuff, but there's also a lot of dead spots. T- to me, 2000 is one of those Royal Rumbles 
that the more I've seen it, the more I'm like, this is like an unsung Royal Rumble. Like, it's not talked about enough, right? It's like actually like very good. It and is. I think it's one of the only one of the only ones during the hot period that benefits from just the fact that, as we know, from about 98 to 2001, literally like every single person on the roster was over. Or at least even the lowest of low people. People knew who the fuck everyone was. Right. And to the point where they're squeezing people in with like Taka and Funaki, like like doing shit. Good point. Right. And like there there's a little they, they even have their bit of controversy at the end. Like it it's actually like a well booked and well performed Royal Rumble, in my opinion. It's hard to say that about a lot of Royal Rumbles, right? Well, yeah. Nineteen ninety seven, even though it has the controversial ending, and I really think that's cool. I don't think the Rumble itself as a Royal Rumble match is as good as 2000s, weirdly. I do. I think it's better. You think it's better? I do, but I don't think... I think 2000s better than 98. 2000s better than 98. Definitely. Yeah. You know, 98 got more votes, but I think 2000s match is better. 98's match isn't that good. No. It's actually kind of dead and boring. Would you say this? 2000 versus 97, right? I think yeah. 97 has a way better ending. Obviously. Well, yeah. I mean, the right guy won in 2000, The Rock, but then they undid all that shit. Right. Like the night after but, in, at WrestleMania. So here's where here's, I can understand your position here because I'm like, 2000, I think, as a match, is the best one on this list so far. As a match. However, I, I think, I think the be. outcome of 97s is more interesting and better than 2000s. I think that, I, I feel like in, in a weird way, you're writing off the match as a match. I'm not. I think it's okay. Based off the ending. I'm not. I'm not. I think the match is okay. I think the rosters are comparable. The roster's probably better in 2000, honestly. It's, it's definitely better. You're right. It's better. And they do the moments thing, too, with the dancing and all that shit. Yeah, I know the yeah. dance. But also, the thing with 97 is it's a less foregone conclusion who's going to win. That's true. The surprise winner, Steve Austin. What's interesting about 97, I think there is a foregone conclusion, and it's it's actually like they turn against it, right? Yeah, it's like, that's the thing, Brett. is everyone thinks Bret Hart's going to win it, yep. right? And then 97, basically, like, Stone Cold does the screw, right? Yeah, I think it's great. Yeah. I think it leads to a great Fatal 4 paper, Final 4 pay-per-view. I mean, I can go with 97 being better. I, just, I, I do. I just want to stress that if you haven't watched the 2000 Royal Rumble in quite some time... it's too new or something. It's like a very... <laughs> It's good. Very, very good Royal Rumble. I agree. Like as just a like, if you want to just turn it on mm -hmm. and just only watch the Royal Rumble, like it, you can do that with 2000. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's it, self-contained. It, yeah, it's very, very well done. I don't think it outdoes 97. I think and 97 has a certain spark, even though there's a lot of crap in it. It has a certain spark that is missing from 2000. Okay, I'll give it to you this time. I, okay. I all because I'm just not sure because Royal Rumbles are weird. Yes, agreed. I personally enjoy the 2000 Royal Rumble a little bit better. Really? I, I don't. I like 97s more, but again, it's all subjective. Yeah. This is scientific. And it also could be because 2000 has a little bit more comedy in it. It's like very silly. There's to, more comedy. To, yeah. I just, I happen to like the ending of 97 and the fallout more than I like 2000. Yeah. Yeah. And see, and that's going to be for the fans to discuss because this is a situation where I think 2000 is a better match, but 97 is a better outcome. I think 97 is still a better match. I'm, I, yeah, I, I do. I disagree I, there. But. I know, but you know what? 97 is already number one. So Okay, fair enough. We're keeping it there unless you can convince me otherwise. Yeah, I don't oh, have like that big of an argument. That's what I'm saying. It's just, it's just that I think 2000 just is booked better. I don't. 
I think the comedy is fine, but I think Austin's run really makes the 97 one shine. And I think the fact that he is almost winking at the audience about tossing out all the crappy wrestlers. And when you get into the meat and potatoes of it with, you know, Bret Hart and Vader and all those guys, that's where I think it really lights up. Undertaker. Yeah. Whereas 2000 is like, there's a lot of crap in there and it's cool because there's always crap in the Royal Rumbles. It's too cool. Actually. And I like their bit, and I yeah. like the Kai and Tai stuff. Yeah, <laughs> but the botched ending and what it leads to—it just leaves too much of a sour. Okay, it's a fair, little too sour. Fair point. Anyway, folks, you let us know what you think. Of course, always do that on Twitter at OVP Podcast. Shoot us an email or join the group. But right now, the updated rankings for week number two at nineteen ninety at number one nineteen ninety seven at number two Royal Rumble two thousand. Number three, 98, and number four at the bottom, where it should be, Royal Rumble 94. That's the updated rankings for week number two. Let us know yours. But, Quinn, when we come back, we are visiting a very odd episode, and we will explain why, of WWF Superstars from August of 1994. That is coming up right after this. Their last encounter was pure hell in a cell. I have never seen will be a safer place. The Undertaker. You better give your soul to the Lord because the rest of your scrawny will belong to me. Shawn Michaels. The heartbreak kid does not rest in peace. He can stay up all night. The casket match. The WWF Royal Rumble. Live January 18th on Pay-Per-View. Wrestling fans, it's time to shout out our friends of the show now. These are other independent podcasters that do their best each and every week to put out a unique program focusing on old wrestling, kind of like OVP. Let's start with the best of Southern Fried Wrestling. We're talking filthy. We're talking unprofessional wrestling podcast. We're talking about booking the territory where you will get your fix of the NWA each week. And then for a whimsical journey led by one man, Pete Winson, Check out Greetings from Allentown. It might be WWF. It might be WCW. It could be Mid-South. So check out our friends of the show. We're talking about Booking the Territory and Greetings from Allentown. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Thanks for being with us here for episode 253. Quinn, we're reviewing something. It's time to review something. Time to review something. And uh, we are taking your suggestions, folks, in perpetuity. All you have to do is go to our Facebook group. There's a pinned post called Specific Episode Review Request. If it's something an hour or less, there's a chance it'll get reviewed on the show. Richard Land does our schedule for us. And speaking of Richard Land, Quinn, this was his suggestion. Now, it's norm- a weird one. Yeah, it is. Now, normally what we've been doing is prior to our pay-per-view review, we do the countdown show, like the special, you know, like yeah. we did March to WrestleMania, Countdown of the Crowning they're and all horrible, that. They're horrible, by the way. They're, they're very bad. <laughs> yeah. There is a Sunday Night Slam before SummerSlam 94, I don't know why we're not doing it. I forget if Richard told me. Didn't I don't you say remember. It was like two hours or something. I think the one worth doing is two hours because it's the call-in show and it's horrible. <laughs> like they're live call-ins with with uh, King and Vince. I don't know why. Anytime they do that call-in shit, it never turns out okay. It's always, it's always a mess. Remember the one where Vince is taking calls yep. about like WCW and shit <laughs> yes, and exactly. it's like fucking weird. Yes. So instead we are doing something from near SummerSlam 94. It is WWF Superstars August 6th, 94. Uh, this is the Peacock version. So if you want that, it's season nine, 
episode 32. <sighs> this is very strange, but I will explain that as we get into yeah. it. Why? So this is WWF TV in 1994, and I'm like, why do you guys do this? To me? I hate it. Like, this is the worst. Richard. 94, 95. it's hideous the pay-per-views have so far so good in 94 right so I I, I always say this about 94 is like I feel like it shields it's got this like this glaze over it where you can't tell that the year is bad if you just watch the pay-per-views and the reason we say the TV is bad is because they do these long tapings for the syndicated you know and they do a couple of raws in one shot maybe three sometimes the crowd is dead by the end of these. The matches sometimes, you'll see, there's a All fe- jobber matches, usually. A lot of them. There's a feature match that they promote for the following week, and it's awful. There's so many things that are bad about their TV, but their pay-per-views are really good. So, anyway, we're getting close to SummerSlam 94 here. Let's see what's going on in the World Wrestling Federation. It is WWF Superstars, August 6th, 1994. The first thing we get on the Peacock here is a disclaimer that this is presented in the most complete form possible. AK, nobody cared and they almost lost it. Yeah, and you know what? I think that's true. Richard, help them. Help them out. It's true in this case because this shit, <laughs> yeah. I don't know what the fuck this, this is. You know, I want to help them. Mate. They don't always want to use my feetage, though. Anyway, Stan Lane, yes, gives us a recap from two weeks ago on Superstars where the 123 kid met Jeff Jarrett in a big King of the Ring 94 rematch. Fuck. What, Jarrett? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I can see the wall, by the way. Yeah. Anyway, hi, Andrew Rogers. Jarrett kicked the kid's ass, but this week we're going to get another rematch again, and then we get our very standard 1994 Superstars intro. Yeah, very rock and roll. <laughs> it's good. Yeah, that. Uh, we see JR instead of Vince for a second. They actually put JR in the intro when Vince had to go away for neck trial. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and does JR even work here? He might actually be technically gone, but he's he does do the voiceover for this. Okay. Just not on the version we're watching. Uh, so we get clips of all those new gen guys, you know, like Bam Bam, Doink, Yoko, Luger, Owen, Bret Hart, Mabel, Tama. Oh, right. This is that one where <laughs> yeah. Tama's weirdly in it. He's in the intro. If you haven't heard the story, folks, when they filmed the footage for this in the spring of 94 uh, out in the West Coast, Tama was subbing for Fatu mm-hmm. in uh, some tag matches. You think they thought nobody would tell yes. the difference. Their hair is similar. They look similar. I mean, they are twin brothers, just fraternal right. twins. Yeah. Uh, so either they didn't notice or they figured nobody else would. But I always notice Tama. <laughs> I'm here, motherfucker. I'm in the intro. <laughs> anyway, Stan Lane again, then hypes up the one, two, three kid versus Jeff Jarrett again. Is this really needed? Stop giving him chances. <laughs> <laughs> and then we cut to ringside uh, where Stan Lane is in the booth in Stanford with Lord Alfred Hayes? In August of 94? What? <laughs> this is really weird. Hi, everybody. Welcome to WWF Action. I'm Stan Land, along with his lordship, Lord Alfred Hayes. So, Owen Hart proudly is coming down the aisle with Jim Neidhart accompanying him. There's an Ike or banner proudly still there. And I can see the wall now, yeah, too. Yeah, the wall is there. Yeah. Uh, Mike Corey is going to be taking on the King of Hearts. Who? Mike Corey. Who? I don't know. Lordship appears to be a heel here. It doesn't matter. It's WF TV in 94. Like, everything he's saying. None of it matters. Oi, I'm a heel now. <laughs> I shut love up. Owen. Yeah. You know? Owen is good. Owen is good. He's not only the king of the Hart family. That's uh, without question now, but he's also the king of hearts of people. Jim Neidhart takes off Owen's glasses as the lights go down. Jack Doan is going to be the referee as we get a bell. We get a lockup and a go behind by Owen into an arm bar on the mat. As I can see the air vents on the wall now. What <laughs> even is this dump? It looks like a mall or something. Like, like you know, the, the food court or some shit. <laughs> I just took the tables away. It's the convention center in Ocean City, Maryland, Quinn. Oh. 
Great. So you know. Owen consults with Anvil for no real reason. Both men are back up. Owen now in with Fireman's Carry. As Lord Hayes calls Jim Neidhart a splendid fellow and a great wrestler. He's a splendid fellow, Anvil, don't you think so? Yeah, no, I don't. Oh, you don't? Not for a second. He's a great wrestler. We get another lockup now, wrist lock by Owen, as a very mild We Want Brett chant starts up. Lord Alfred plays up now how Anvil is the only loyal heart member. Does he really need to be a heel this late? Like, I don't yeah. care. Yeah, I know. It is weird. It feels very forced, doesn't it? Yeah, it doesn't feel right. Because throughout this show, he then veers back into like his usual jovial, like early 90s Lord persona. <laughs> Lord is such a confusing figure he in is. general. I mean, like, I love him, but his it's off-putting. Yeah. Him I, being a heel here. It's weird. I know. Oh, with a hard clothesline, nicely done. He then yells that he's the king. Lord Hayes agrees. And this is seriously probably, I'm thinking, maybe show number four from this taping, I right? I honestly, because it's 1994 and like the crowds are whatever already. Yeah. I honestly have a really hard time telling that like <laughs> what taping this is at all because it's just, none of them are excited anyway. Well, you're right. Yeah. So I checked, right? And yes, it is taped. Remember, this is airing August 6th. This was taped July 3rd. <laughs> when did it air again? What is this? August 6th. Oh my goodness. It's over a month ago. Yes. Ocean City, Maryland. The crowd is suitably quiet because this is the end of the taping. We get a nice shot of the ceiling. Hi, Andrew. As this is still going. Corner whip by Corey. Owen with the boot up. Shitty bulldog and he heads up top. Corey makes it to his feet. Missile drop kick by Owen, which Lord Hayes likes a real lot. A nice drop kick from the ceiling because, like we said, you could see the ceiling. It's very ceiling it's here. It's too close. <laughs> I always have a problem with I this. I know. It's nerve wracking. Yeah. Uh, we get a sharpshooter and it's all over. Very mid-94 aesthetics going on here. Mm -hmm. Great time for me to start watching wrestling, by well, the way. yeah, I mean, the, again, we've always said this, though, is like, I think this is what made the late 90s seem so good is because you and me started watching around this time yes. when it was just so bad. Like, it was, it was awful. It was really bad. I think I saw this episode yeah. when it was new. I think probably I probably did. did. I think I did. Anyway, Owen gives Owen his sunglasses. Anvil gives Owen his sunglasses back, and then I love when they do this spot. Owen puts him on Mike Corey's face and then just snaps him back. Yeah, that's the Owen version of like mocking Brett. Yeah, kind of like like million dollar man kind of thing with the money. With the money, yeah, yeah, it's the same idea. Anvil and Lord Hayes cackle about that. Stan Lane hates it. Now this right here just is what I called for. <laughs> I oh, like that. that. That was so good. We go to break, but first. Leslie Nielsen is in his office, you know, his detective's office. Right, right. Trying to find The Undertaker. And he's talking to a mic doing like an audio diary. And then his phone rings. And apparently he says it was Dominic's on the phone. Yes, that's what me. he says. Leslie then drops his pen. He's fumbling around under his desk and there's a knock on the door. And that voice sounds suspiciously like the Undertaker. Pizza. <laughs> so as Leslie's fumbling around for his pen under the desk, a man in black clothing, gray gloves, drops a Domino's pizza on the desk. Get it? Was it The Undertaker? I don't know. The world may never know. The Undertaker? The Undertaker. Back to ringside now where Shawn Michaels' music is blaring and we're welcome to the Heartbreak Hotel. And I'm not going to lie, Quinn, I have no issues with the Heartbreak Hotel segment. It's pretty fun. Yeah. One funny note is they use the Christmas story leg lamp. Yes. Like, it's very, like, I, I think that's, to me, that's the front office interpretation of the Shawn Michaels character, <laughs> by the way. It's that like he would it, get that? Yeah. Like, that. it's just odd. I know. It looks like a pink nightmare. I actually like the elaborate set. I think it's pretty good. No, it, it is. The Heartbreak Hotel set was always solid. Yeah. It's just also, again, it's more of like, why is Shawn Michaels not wrestling again? He doesn't want to. Yeah. Remember, he's like, I, I'm not doing that right now, Vince. It's He's off. He's <laughs> off. Yeah. Diesel's there with Shawn, of course. Lord Hayes likes these two. And Shawn hypes up how Lex Luger has finally seen the light. 
That's right. He brings him out. The newest uh, acquisition of Ted DiBiase. This shit. Why can't we ever escape it? Though? It's like <laughs> it haunts us it, from episode, episode one. Episode one. This fucking feud. Uh, yeah. So Luger's good music hits to a mild reaction. He comes out in that crappy white jacket that he was wearing. You know the one where he just looks like a loser. <laughs> Lex loser. Lex loser. <laughs> Lord Hayes says Luger knows how his bread is buttered, which is not the phrase. He knows how his uh, bread is buttered. Anyway, Sean's all happy to have Luger here. Oh, buddy, buddy, now that he thinks Luger's a heel. It's like when they were friends again back in 1993. <laughs> yeah. Oh, when they were hanging out at WrestleMania 9? Yeah. That, <laughs> I beat him, man. Like, yeah. It's like, that's great. And then <laughs> fucking perfect. Yeah, fucking perfect comes out. <laughs> yeah, I like Sean's like, huh? 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 You're yeah. a heel now? Huh? Yeah, <laughs> it's like, all like, oh, we can be friends again. Yeah. <laughs> so Luger is a fountain of charisma as always in the WWF, saying, nobody owns Lex Luger, especially the million dollar man. Nobody owns Lex Luger, especially the million dollar man. And there you have it. So Sean's trying to get all cute here. He's like, you ever meet Ted DiBiase? Yes. Did he make you an offer? Yes, he made me a lucrative offer. And then Sean wants to know how much, but Luger's like, I resent you talking about this. Mm -hmm. And meanwhile, Lord Hayes keeps talking over this shit. How much? Come on. You know, I really resent this line of questioning. I really, really do. Must be so much. He's embarrassed. Wait a minute now. Sean wants to know about Luger's new Rolex, huh? Huh? That Mercedes, huh? Yeah. But Luger's like, it's really none of your business. Luger wants to talk about his match with Tatanka. Fuck! No, don't <laughs> talk about that. I'd rather hear about his Rolex. Can't wait for that match, Quinn. Uh-huh. This weekend, everybody. He then says there's no price for Lex Luger before leaving. You know what? HBK slyly gives the <laughs> thumbs up, thinking Luger's full of shit. Like, he's like, yeah. He's, he's a heel. Don't worry about it. He's like, yeah, this is good. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> anyway, Stan Lane warns us that coming up next is Quang. Are you serious? We're still doing this? <laughs> yeah. So, hi, we're back where Howard Finkel introduces. In the ring, Jim Powers. Are we serious at all right now? <laughs> what What is this? He's still here? He's there. Up and coming. <laughs> it's amazing to me that Jim Powers was still there when I started watching wrestling. It's un- well, he was still there when we were watching WCW. I know. It's just big on the beach, if muscle there was, beach. If there was ever someone that companies tried to make something out of for like a decade and never did, it's Jimmy Powers, well, the man. The problem is, is that, here's the thing, is even in this Quang match, right? Yeah. I noticed this. Jim Powers looks like a star and Quang does not. <laughs> like that that's the thing, is Jim Powers has the look. He does have the he look. He looks like he should like this should he shouldn't be the jobber here. Right. Like you know what I mean? No, seriously. It's odd looking. You're right. I mean, look, Quang comes out with who? Harvey Whippleman. What does yeah. that mean, Quinn? No one cares. <laughs> Quang's music's all quiet or like are we even supposed to care? Like Quang's just like he certainly is Quang is a powerful man, but my word, he might be much powerful power here with uh, Powers. Anyway, Stan Lane says that Jim Powers will have to be on his P's and Q's, which what? is also not the phrase. Powers is going to have to be uh, on his P's and Q's in this matchup. Mind your P's and Q's. Correct. Uh, the crowd is unbelievably quiet. I'm Quang. <laughs> That's <laughs> true. Can we, this, this is understandable. You're right about that. Uh, meanwhile, Stan Lane is talking about how he's known Lex Luger for 12 years. Lord Hayes doesn't care. I don't care. He is a good man now. Yeah. And uh, Quang with some martial arts start. Irish whip dug under by Powers. High crossbody by Powers gets two. Irish whip again reversed by Quang. Leaf frog by Quang. Monkey flip attempt by Powers with a stomp. Quarter whip by Powers reversed. 
awful heel kick by Quang in the corner. He spews the green mist like just into the ceiling for no reason. Yeah, I'm not sure what the point of that was. Why didn't he spray it in his face? Isn't that why he has it? Isn't that why you're supposed to use the mist? I don't... <laughs> what was that? It's not for show, right? Yeah. You're supposed to use it as when a the weapon. the ref's not looking. You know, great Muda and great Kabuki would be giving him a stern talking to if they cared about this. But he's, they don't. The thing is, he's Savio Vega. He's not even <laughs> Japanese. Like, that's what's confusing about all that, this to me. That's correct. He yeah. is definitely not Japanese. Yeah. We get a slow run off the ropes by Quang. Duck under my powers. Duck under a kick. And Quang nails another kick for the win. Stan Lane calls that a tremendous battle in a seesaw match. It was like less than a minute. Like... <laughs> That's the funny thing. He's like, he, he, it was kind of back and forth, but, but it was also so it was like a minute. Yeah. Like it was, Tremendous battle. Yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah. Anyway, we get a replay before going to break. Lord Hayes calls Jeff Jarrett, JJ. It's real. The one, two, three kid against JJ. But first, live event news. And then Todd Pettengill's doing a voiceover for Razor Ramon. He lost the Intercontinental title to Diesel because Shawn Michaels fucked him over. So basically, it recaps that whole thing, right? right, right. In April, where Diesel won the title. Live we, event news. Live so. event. Very live. Yeah. We get a quick promo from Razor. Very generic. He's like, yo, Diesel, I'm coming for the gold. It's, it's shitty. And literally, this is just a promo for SummerSlam 94 because this is not the U.S. local version in any market. I thought this would be raw due to the Todd voice. Yeah. But okay, like, I thought he was going to say, like, next week on Raw. It was that version of Todd, yeah. right? Yeah. Where he's really epic about it. Yeah. <laughs> like that music or whatever. And it's like, so next good week on Monday Night Raw. I love that. He's great at those. Yeah. But anyway, I'm sure on the New York feed. It's Stan Lane in the live event center hyping some Nassau Coliseum card. You know what I mean. <laughs> Come out and see Bret Hart versus Quang. Bret Hart will take on his brother Owen. Forget about SummerSlam. Yeah. We're doing it here in Nassau. You know what I mean. Yeah, it's, we're going to settle it there. <laughs> yeah, instead. That, fuck that pay-per-view. <laughs> like. Nassau Coliseum, August 26th. For the Meadowlands Arena, August 27th. Just three weeks away. Oh, and you finally got yourself a partner. Jim the Anvil Neidhart. Thinks he knows everything about the Hitman. Look what I got. I fought against him. Now I fight him. Anyway, we're back now where JJ's music hits and nobody cares. Half the fans are like, who is this now? Like, what? <laughs> like Art Donovan. Da, 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 da. Wait, like, they're like, what? Is it over yet? Yeah. <laughs> oh, all right. Yeah, everyone wants to go home. This Double J, he's a cutie. Extremely weird, by the way, to hear Lord Alfred Hayes calling a Jeff Jarrett match. But here we are. Hayes likes Jarrett, but not his taste in music. Stanley brings up how Jarrett has yet to sing here in the WWF. Anyway, he struts around to literal silence before we go to break. <laughs> and we get the, uh, Dad, look, it's Brett the Hitman Hart. You know the commercial. Yeah. Go get him, champ. Yep, the famous Brett. <laughs> like storms out. Yep. Back to the convention center here where the kids' music hits to some actual cheering. Jarrett's on the video wall making chicken gestures. <laughs> I thought this was stupid. It was. But then this is great. The kid just attacks him from behind. He, he came through the, the audience, crowd. Yeah. Yes, good. I was very happy. The mm. kid's showing some fire here, you I know? It's like, oh shit. Yeah. yeah. Crossbody gets quick too. Timmy White will be the referee. Kick by the kid sends Jarrett to the floor. Piscata by the kid to the floor. He hammers away. Slam into the steps by the kid. Kid hops on the apron now, dives onto Jarrett, but he's caught and gets hot-shotted onto the guardrail. Nice spot. Kid throws Jarrett back inside now. Corner whip, reversed by the kid. Drop kick in the corner by the kid. Both men are down now. Cover by the kid gets two. 
He's back up, sets up a pile driver, but Jarrett backdrops out. And then Jarrett just stands there stupidly, so Kid lands a sunset flip for two. Jarrett's up first, though, with some kicks. Irish whip, reversed by the kid. Clothesline, both men are down. Cover by the kid gets two, as Lord Hayes says JJ again. Keeps defending him. It's, like, upsetting. I don't like it. Punches by the kid. Irish whip, head down, but a knee by Jarrett. He heads to the second rope on the inside and misses his doofus fist drop. Horrible. I hate it. Both men are up. Body slammed by Jarrett. Off the ropes. Elbow drop misses. This match is actually okay, thanks to the kid, I will say. Yeah, I mean, I gotta give him both credit. Jarrett's a good wrestler. I know we love to make fun of him, but he is a very good wrestler in the ring. I'll concede to that. I know. I mean, really, like, I don't mind Jeff Jarrett. Right. I really don't. Um, He goes for a vertical suplex inside cradle by the kid, though. Gets a quick two. Jarrett's up first. Irish whoop. Duck under by the kid. Another duck under. Sleeper by Jarrett. You know, I didn't know he knew that hold, He knew it. He knew it. (laughs) Where's Randy Savage to say that? On Raw. Yeah, I'm sorry. (laughs) The kid goes down quick. Stan Lane says carotid artery. Whoops. It cuts off the blood in the carotid artery. Absolutely mild one, two, three chan as the kid tries to fight back up. And he does as people look on very bored and tired. Imagine sitting in this. Was anyone out there in the Bill Yankovi? Did you go to this? Like like, 27th match. God, like imagine how tedious this is. (laughs) Elbows out by the kid off the ropes. Duck under sleeper by the kid. Mild reaction for that. This is the kind of match that's good. But unfortunately, because it's like 60 matches in the taping, they literally need the like applause sign. Like... (laughs) On the roof so people could see. Yeah, it's true, though, because yeah. I've already sat through a lot of stuff, and we'll yeah. actually get to what some of that was. But good Lord, the match that they said was two weeks ago between Kid and Jarrett was at this taping. Yeah, it was a couple of minutes ago. Yeah, they've already seen this match. You know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? So anyway, nice inverted atomic by the kid. Ten punches in the corner. Jarrett throws him off, lands a flare pin for three. It's a great match. Dumb ending. Yeah, yeah. The old heel feet on the ropes. Bad. No one even really reacts except the announcers. You know, Hayes mm-hmm. loves it. Stan Lane hates it. The kid is pissed, though. But Jarrett's just like, ah, I'm leaving now. And then Timmy White is physically holding back the one, yeah, two, three kid. move by Tim. <laughs> I know. I was like, what? And then Lord Hayes. Oh, he lost. <laughs> oh, he lost. <laughs> and then suddenly, this is sad. Joey Morello runs out. This is his last WWE show. Oh, this show. is. This is it. Yeah, this is where, unfortunately, on the way to another town from this, or maybe back home, this night. This was it. This this is where he had the car accident with Harvey. Yeah, so that's sad. But to see him on TV a month after he died is weird. Oh, right, because this... Oh, that is weird. He tells Timmy what happened, and then I love Joey here. He even physically demonstrates the feet on the ropes. He, like, gets on his hands and, like, puts his feet on... It's amazing. I was was laughing. It was funny. Is he Gorilla's son or what? Yeah, that is very Gorilla. (laughs) So Jarrett runs away all scared, which is really funny. Yeah, he runs away like a child from refs. (laughs) (laughs) Some good heel shit. He's just like a sprint to the back once he sees them, like, discussing what happened. Almost like 97 Jericho, kind of, right? It's kind of good, actually. It is. So Lord Monsoon here says that Double J is going to get the winner's purse. I like that. <laughs> and they show the replay of Jarrett's feet on the ropes on the big video wall. And, and kid's like looking at it. He's like, he's yelling about it. And then I love this. Hayes is like, what? And <laughs> Lane's like, what do you mean? What? Are you blind? Yeah. Like, Look at that. Look at that, Alfred. What? What? What do you mean? What? Are you what? blind? Even Stan Lane's had enough of Lord Alfred being a heel. Mm-hmm. And then Hayes is like, I think that's just something with the camera angle. Now the Stan line here after this funny. I hate that. We'll be back with more in a bit. <laughs> yeah. Like he's like he just like moves on. It was very gorilla, right? Like, he's like, I hate when that happens <laughs> when they use the ropes. Okay, we'll be back in a bit. <laughs> it's like, pretty funny. Like in the next sentence. It's amazing. It was. One, two, three, kid was blatantly ripped off. 
I hate that. We'll be back with more action. Anyway, we now get a horrible slow motion video package. What is this? I don't know, but <laughs> I did notice because you can tell by the arenas and yeah. the lighting. It's different. It's all 1993 footage yeah. of wrestlers just doing moves. Yeah. And the point here is that this is the World Wrestling Federation, and there's an asterisk <laughs> next to Federation. Did, this, did they have to add the asterisk on, on the network because, like, WWE or whatever? Maybe. I'm not even, like, did they just, that's all they did. That's the, like, not most complete footage. Just that <laughs> this one part where somebody had to put an asterisk there because of legal reasons. Right, right. <laughs> Fucking Horrible. ridiculous. So we go to Stan Lane explaining how last week Bret Hart put the title on the line against Bobby Backlund. We actually recap that whole thing here, and we've reviewed this episode before. Yep. It's in the same building, Quinn. Yeah, last week. Last week. They were in the same building. Now, Bret- amazing how they went there so many times. <laughs> I know. Right? They just kept coming back week yeah. after week. Bret won this match because Bob Backlund forgot how matches end, and it's supposed to be a three count. You don't celebrate on a two count. And of course, after the match. Brett raised Backlund's hand, shook hands, kept shaking hands. And then, Why is there two handshakes? It's almost like they fucked up well, the turn on the first one. Well, because Brett's like, you know, I'm sorry that I won. Yeah. You know, what do you want me to do? Lose? Like, I mean, to be fair. <laughs> Such a weird. Yeah. It is like, what is Brett supposed to do? He's being know. nice. He's like, you did a good job. I just won. I'm sorry. Yeah. Anyway. Sorry. sorry. After the match, Backlund, of course, slapped Brett. Put the chicken wing on him. Fucking snap. It's a great angle. We've always talked about it. Yeah, it's weird that this is all before SummerSlam, though. That's it's the a, odd part to me. It is, because it doesn't factor into SummerSlam at all. Yeah. But they were already planting that seed for after SummerSlam. For Survivor Slam. Series. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that great match at Survivor Series. One of the worst things I've ever seen, but we'll go into that in a couple months here. Coming up in February. Yeah. Also, it's very weird for me, personally, to hear Lord <laughs> Alfred Hayes <laughs> talking still, about this. Yeah, the Lord thing is getting you. It is, because you know how like, we always talk about 97 or 98 Gorilla. Is weird. Right. Yeah. 94, like summer of 94, Hayes as an <laughs> announcer is weird. It's odd. And of course, he's fine with everything. He even has, he's a very powerful mom. Yeah, that's so Lord. It's like the most Lord fucking thing he could have said the whole up. That's a very powerful man. <laughs> that's such like a, I do that impression as a joke. Yeah, he, he, he straight up says, he's a very powerful man. <laughs> and he is a very powerful man. Back to ringside where our guest ring announcer, Lauren Jones, is in the ring. She's like eight. Yeah. You know, the era where they do the kids doing the guest or there's a lot kids. of these in 1994. So first she announces Duke, the dumpster Dross, And then Lauren <laughs> is like mutters. She got the name wrong. Oh, good job, Lauren. She got the name wrong. Also, can we hold on a second to say what? Duke is here already? Yeah. <laughs> Came in like right after us. He's very 10. 1995 to me. Oh, I agree. Yeah. yeah. But he came in right after WrestleMania 10. New generation, Quinn. Anyway, the opponent here for Mr. Dross is uh, Ray Hudson, a jobber. Kind of looks like Mickey J from the side. Mickey J, the referee? Yeah. Yeah, kind of, right? So the announcers talk about the Jerry Lawler versus Duke Dross feud. That's a thing. Yeah, unfortunately. Of course, King would have an issue with the garbage man. <laughs> the referee is Dan Davis, smirking the whole time. Hudson yells at Duke that he stinks, like literally. So Duke fans his armpits at him. <laughs> Back suplex. That was kind of funny. Yeah. Irish whip, hip tossed by Duke. Davis paces around and smirks some more. Nice <laughs> elbow by the Duke. Elevated bear hug by Duke, which Ray sells very nicely. Lord Hayes now continues to bitch about the fact that Duke is a garbage man and how that's what peons do. He needs to calm. I know. Stan's very defensive, by the way. <laughs> Come on, Lord Alfred Hayes. Somebody has to do those jobs. It's you a know. very noble job, <laughs> Lord. It's good. Yeah. I uh, then switches back into happy face mode. Lord, I'm saying, like yeah. he's with Mooney. He's like, ha ha, Duke is a good man. Look at that move. Like it's <laughs> it was very weird. He's yeah. Very but 
Very bizarre, man. Uh, Duke yells that it's time to take out the trash. And he pulls off his very nice move, the trash compactor, which is a tilt-a-whirl power slam. It is good. I agree. This is th- my conundrum with Duke Drozzi is that he has a very good look. He looks like a star, and but he's in a garbage outfit. Yes. <laughs> he's not even... You know what the thing is? He's not even... Here's the thing about the garbage outfit. He doesn't even look like a garbage outfit. It looks like he could be like a delivery man or something. Like it could... He could you could switch the the outfits are like interchangeable or something because he has those um what is that the thing that helps your back back brace back brace yeah. so I always think oh he could like work a forklift or like do other things <laughs> I don't know it's not like a full garbage man I outfit know. it's it's confusing to me it's a bad gimmick but he's yeah. a good, he and for the record here he had this gimmick before the WWF. Oh, he did. They, they did I didn't not know that. give him this gimmick. He was garbage man or something in Florida or some. Sh- I forget what? where. Just for the record. Anyway, Lauren pronounces the winner correctly this time. Duke Drozzi. Uh, and a silly moment of post production. Now this is funny. We get the magistrator, right? King, right. King's Telestrator, right? Yeah. And <laughs> Lord Alfred Hayes is like, Lola loaned me his magistrator. I think I'll have a little fun myself here. What? What is that? Well. Lola loaned me his magistrate, and I'm going to show you my ability to draw as well. Look at this. Come on! And, like, you can, like, the way this is taped, you know that King's making a comment as, he's, as King's actually drawing. Yes. And Lord's pretending that he's drawing it. It's so ridiculous because Lord is like, I'm yeah. I'm just going to draw this. Like, yeah. <laughs> and Lord's like talking and stuff, and it's just, it's silly. It's very silly. It's a scene. So the drawing is King himself with a gas mask on. Yeah. Kind of looks like Bart Simpson if you're on LSD. Right. Anyway, we fade away from this comedy here and we go to Todd for the SummerSlam 94 report. And he starts off, the first words we hear are in like a Wayne <laughs> Campbell impression. He's like, dudes, dudettes. Ugh. Stop it, Todd. It's your, that's one of your favorites. Dudes. Dude, Yo, dude. Yeah, like, what do you stop doing? Don't, don't, just don't. <laughs> he wants to be our friend, Joe. Like, <laughs> he, he's like, I'm cool. I'm hip with the kids, man. It's always like one step forward, two steps back with him. It's so frustrating because anytime he tries to be funny, he's not. But anytime he's not, when he's just being serious, he's great. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, he's normal now, and he says in the states. SummerSlam happens on Monday, August 29th at 8 p.m. Still weird that it's Monday. It's the last SummerSlam on a Monday, actually. Yeah. Uh, so Todd says there's all kinds of news this week. The States, by the way. The States. Yeah, clearly uh, this is the international version. It's somewhere, yeah. Uh, Diesel defends the IC title against Razor Ramon. Last week, Razor took on Shawn Michaels on Raw, but Diesel interfered, so Razor's like, fuck it, man. I'm going to get Walter Payton at SummerSlam. Neat. It is neat, actually. Everyone loves Payton at that. I, I just thought this was just odd, because what did they? What did Walter Payton have to do with this? Well, it's Chicago. Oh, okay. The Bears. Anyway, Alondra Blaze will be defending the women's title against Bull Nakano. Love you, Bull. Yeah. Tag champions, the head shrinkers, they'll be defending against Bam Bam Bigelow and IRS, probably. <laughs> it doesn't sound good. Todd's like, I wonder if they can work together as a team. Like, why wouldn't they? They're both well, heels. Doesn't haven't there been arguments or something? Hasn't Bam some, Bam and IRS? I don't think so. I don't know. Anytime IRS works with anybody, he gets an argument other than Million Dollar Man. It's true. Best tag team ever. That's yeah. why. Uh, rap versus country as Double J takes on Mabel. Really? Really? That's an odd match. <laughs> Very. Yeah. Mabel's still in a solo run. I didn't even remember out. that. That's at this. I'm serious. Like, I was like, wait. That happened? That didn't get canceled or anything? That's like the Greg Valentine IRS of yeah. SummerSlam 94. That's you really know? weird. It is. It happens. 
We get a promo now from Tatanka for his big match with Lex Luger. Tatanka's got like the varnished hair. Oh my god, is his hair is horrible? It's all wet and like it's like it's like leaking. It's, <laughs> it's so bad. It's poor. And he says Lex Luger didn't fool anyone on the Hartbrook Hotel. And he says Lex is full of shit. So he's going to take out Lex Luger at SummerSlam for America. Calm. He's like, I'm the first American or whatever. He is right about that. He is though. right, but I'm saying it's Tatanka. Who cares? He has not had a good 94, this no. man. Uh, of course, Bret Hart will be defending the title against Owen Hart in a steel cage. Then we get a promo from Bret, who says that Owen must be real proud of himself. You know, he won at WrestleMania 10. He's the king of hearts. But on the joyride is over. He says the fucking family hates him. The mm-hmm. world hates him. Basically, fuck you, Own. Yeah. And the only way to end this is in the SummerSlam. He does say it. In a steel cage he, match. You can't make it up. And that's in the SummerSlam. In the SummerSlam. In the SummerSlam. <laughs> and the never, su- never misses a, a moment to not say the SummerSlam. I Every like the, single time. And I like that it's always in the, not at the. Yeah. In the SummerSlam. It's like a, it's like a zone. Yeah. It's like a state of mind. Right. The, the SummerSlam. That's a state of mind. Yeah. The second half of the double main event will be The Undertaker versus The Undertaker, Todd says. And Todd's like, either there's two Undertakers or one of them can metamorphosize. Yeah, sure. I have no idea what he's talking about. He doesn't either. Now we get a promo from Paul Bearer from The Fog, and he's like, oh, money, money, money. And I swear, Quinn, they literally smeared shit on the lens, like Vaseline or something. Oh, you don't think it's real fog? I think there is, but I think they also, to make it look blurrier... They oh, put okay. something on the lens or a filter. You nice know, like attention to detail then. Piece of plastic over yeah. the lens. Saran wrap in front of it, maybe. maybe, you know? maybe. But anyway, the point here from Paul Bearer is that Ted DiBiase is an idiot. Though that's true. Yes, because Paul Bearer has the real Undertaker. He's right. like, clearly I have him. Yeah, I have the urn and shit, yeah, look, right? It's I, like, this is what I do. you guys. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so we go back to Todd, who says that you know he wants a nightlight. Please stop. <laughs> also, Leslie Nielsen will be back. <sighs> They're not funny. Yeah. I love Leslie Nielsen. This isn't it. These are not funny. These, are, these aren't working. That's correct. So we go away. We come back. Here's another Leslie Nielsen promo. And he's in front of they a... They promise, si- Joe. Yeah, they promise. He's in front of a silly green screen with footage that includes some pool in the 1960s, mm-hmm. London in the 1960s, a rice farm somewhere in the Far East, ancient Rome, and then a cemetery with a dead end sign. I see an actual dead end. Get it? Because Leslie's like, and then I ran into a dead end. And then it's... See, it's one of those, you know airplane jokes like one of those kind of things whoever wrote these surely can't be serious there's no jokes in these these aren't funny no but that dead end thing that's an attempt to be like a Leslie Nielsen movie the key word attempt correct because WWF whoever wrote these on their end is not funny maybe Todd wrote them anyway back to ringside where the tires screech and the bad guy is here to take on Mike Haywood you blow me Uh, (laughs) Razor it might be his name (laughs) <laughs> just Mike Haywood, maybe. Razor's in the Royal Purple, and I feel like this match is going to be shorter than Razor's entrance. Can I say it's weird that Superstars still has matches like Raw at this point? You mean like squashes and stuff? Like but just like with real people, not just like the lower tier, like oh, Razor like, Ramon uh, and shit. Yeah, yeah. No, they do that. I mean, it is called Superstars. They're pretty much the same. They're like very equivalent at this point. That's not a good thing. Yeah. Right? No, yeah. but it, it is true. They're pretty much the same thing. They have a feature match occasionally. Yeah. Like Raw has a feature match and they have a lot. Like, honestly, Superstars, like, if you missed Raw that week, (laughs) you could watch Superstars and you get just as much stuff. Pretty much. Yeah. Uh, We cut to commercial with that guy. You know, the one that's like, all these wrestlers, they're not good. And we've seen this ad a million times. Yeah. He gets beat up every time. My favorite line, of course, that Yokozuna, (laughs) fat. Too fat. <laughs> fat chance he's going to take me in the ring. One always makes me laugh. Yeah. And this one's actually okay, except for the weird, like, 
unbelievable WWF slogan. Yeah, were they serious with that tagline? It's bad. Unbelievable. It, it's like they didn't really think about it. Or like <laughs> I don't know. It's just like very lazy. Very lazy. The marketing department over there. Yeah. Back to ringside now where Razor's music is still going. Jack Doan's going to be the ref for this exciting encounter as Razor throws Haywood to the corner and chops away. And I got to say this. I like that Razor Ramon never stopped wrestling as a heel. Yeah, he kind of is just a dick. He always is. Yeah. yeah. And Lane, by the way, is reacting to every chop Razor's doing by going, ooh, ow. And Hayes is like, will you stop making those noises? I'm asking the same thing. <laughs> what a weird team. Will you stop making those noises? Fall slam by the bad guy. Nicely done. Lord Hayes says that Razor is the most improved wrestler of 1994. We kind of agree with that in yeah, a weird way. We're loving him in 94. He's very good. On the pay-per-view yeah. canon, he's very good. Abdominal stretch with the toe hook for fun. Hayes, meanwhile, is talking about skullduggery with Walter Payton. Excuse me? What? This needs to be over. Yeah, it's, it feels like we've been here for a while now. <laughs> Razor with the reverse chin lock on the mat and then the slaps to the back of the head. See, I told you, heel. Mm -hmm. Second rope back suplex by Ramon. We signal for the Razor's Edge, and it's all over. And the fans like it. Yeah, because Razor's good as always, and I just want to clarify. The reason he's better as a face is because he's wrestling like a heel, but when he's a heel, he wrestles like a doofy cartoon character. Yeah, he looks like a... Dope. Look, whoa, yeah. like rubbery. I don't like it. This version of Razor is awesome. Yeah. Anyway, Razor watches his own replay on the video wall before before calling out Diesel to the camera. We get live event news now again, which focuses on the thrilling Lex Luger angle. Tatanka thinks the whole thing is shitty. Doesn't, Doesn't everybody? everybody? So he decided to fight Nikolai Volkov, where if he won, DiBiase promised to give him $10,000. Tatanka won. Can we stop talking about this? That'd be nice. Then, a little bit later, Randy Savage moderated an interview between DiBiase and Tatanka in can the I middle ask, of the ring. Can I ask, what does this have to do with the live events coming up? Nothing. No, oh, okay. <laughs> DiBiase said that Tatanka could never do that to my Lex Luger. <sighs> Meanwhile, we get a nice shot. I'm not kidding. We always joke about this of the Fernwood banner. In the <laughs> I did background. notice that. I did notice. That. I was like, "Oh, what is this? 73 weeks ago from like the one taping or whatever." Why are they always at Fernwood in '94? Fernwood or this place with the tiles on the ceiling God. or whatever. Yeah. Tatanka says that he can beat DiBiase's Lex Luger on his worst day. It's a good joke. <laughs> so Luger came out and he's like, I accept your challenge. So they're going to face off at SummerSlam when Domino's delivers SummerSlam. Pizza. Pizza. Back to the ring where Lex Luger is taking on someone from the Raw taping. Wait, what? Yeah, like so this is only on this version, so by the way. what? It, what outraged me is at first, before I know they acknowledge that it's raw. Yes, they do. But when they come, when they fly back in from commercial break for this, yes, they first they're like Stan Lane and Lord here, and like at first I'm like, are they really pretending that this isn't raw? Like, because it was odd, and they were joined like mid match. Yes, but then definitely. like a minute later, they finally like correct themselves. Yeah, and this whole thing is weird because I checked on the regular version. It's not on there. Oh, really? So I don't know why they did this. But Honestly, I mean, from what I'm getting, I had a guess about this, why this was on here when why? I was watching it. It's because did you notice that there was like awkwardly like four-ish minutes yeah, left? And I, I think they needed to just fill out the remainder of like whatever the syndication time they needed to fill. Maybe. You might be right. Yeah. Which is also why mid-match. Mid-match, yep. yeah. The opponent's David Thornburg, as if this matters at all. All right. The difference, though, is the crowd here is actually more excited than in Ocean City. Anyway, Rebel Rack by Lex Luger gets the win. I was half expecting his WCW music, but at least we get the good WWE. Yeah. Because when Cause I see the, the Rebel Rack, I'm thinking, dun, 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 that good yeah. WCW music. Yeah. Why do we have to see this? Anyway, Luger poses for a while. Hayes likes it. Stanley has had enough of Lord Hayes. Mm -hmm. But next week, Quinn, The Undertaker will be here, along with the Head Shrinkers. 
Bob Backlund. Looking all old. They have like this weird where he's posing like he's from the 50s. Did you notice that? hands out. I swear that's on purpose to make him look like he's even older than he is. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Plus, Quinn, our feature match next week, Adam Baum will be taking on Timothy Well. Are they serious with that? Timothy Well by himself and and Adam Baum? That's not even a feature. It's a (laughs) jobber match. That's nothing. This is what we mean when we say 94 TV is not the best. Yeah. Plus, Jim Cornette's going to be on the Heartbreak Hotel. That sounds hideous. (laughs) Stop it. Anyway, uh, this was your standard, and that's not a good thing, 1994 episode of Superstars. Not a great thing. But this was extra weird with this weird-ass commentary team, the unsweetened crowd. Very awkward stuff, but again, it's not like we expected much from WWF TV in 94. A good one, two, three kid match. The rest was fine. Yeah. Whatever. Okay episode, I guess. So I asked Richard to find out here because this is on Peacock, like I mentioned, folks. It's weird. It's weird because on the normal version, it's JR, who was still technically there. I don't even know if he was, but his voiceover was Mm -hmm. JR and King. So it feels much more like a normal episode, Mm -hmm. you know, from that period of time. Right. So I had Richard look into this. Apparently, WWE doesn't have the master tape for some reason. Just of this episode. Yes. Specifically. And two is no one knows where this aired. Mm -hmm. It didn't air in England, apparently. Well, again, if it did, no one knows that for sure. So if you or someone you know saw this version, if you had Lord Hayes and Stan Lane as your announce team. What region were you you from? You don't have to give us a exact address or anything is it armed forces network is yeah. it new zealand like where did this armed air for- of course it's something weird like that because clearly there's no local promo obviously were they, were they um were they in south africa at that point because that's yeah. an english-speaking place yeah, that's what i'm saying so like where did this air let richard land know uh but overall whatever this was 1994 wwf tv <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was like it, it existed. It existed. But folks, thanks so much for being back with us for a brand new year. We really do appreciate it. Just a couple of quick reminders before we get out of here. If you want the extra content, go to patreon.com slash OVP podcast. Give it a shot for January. If you don't like it, just cancel by the end of the month. And again, if you just want to try it for free, let us know. We do. We're happy to do that. It's yeah, fine. Definitely. We don't mind. So you can let us know on Twitter or you can uh, shoot us an email or join the group. And if you don't mind, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, iTunes. It does help us out. I don't know how. It just does. So if you could do that, that'd be very nice of you. But until next week for another episode of OVP, I am Joe Murata. That is Michael Quinn. And we will see you next week. See ya. Detectives log, one of the most mysterious superstars of the WWF is missing, and they've come to me as the one man with the ability and the know-how to find him. The one man, they say, who can track down anything. To locate missing persons requires organization, discipline, intelligence. But the most important thing of all is, uh, yeah, Dominic, send her right up. The most important thing of all is never going to work on an empty stomach. Now, where'd I put my pen? Yes? Pizza. Uh, Put it on the desk. Ah. Oh, it suddenly got cold around here. Will you stop?